We're not just talking kilt, we're talking splatter movie kilt. Don't ask, don't tell. God, why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before! How do you think people become famous anymore? It's an honor. That's why I'm gonna shoot you in the fucking head. Tell my listeners, heads are gonna roll tonight because we're talking about Scream 4. We are continuing the Screamathon strong with the fourth installment in the franchise. That's right, the Scream train is not stopping yet. We're just over halfway through. Uh, this is a really important movie to the Scream franchise. Became out because it came out in 2011, which is 11 years after Scream 3. So we are going to tap into this long-awaited sequel. And here with me to talk about this glorious epic of a film is none other than fellow Scream aficionado, Wes Sweetums of the Petty Pumpkins YouTube channel. Yes. Hi. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, Always. Is my favorite movie of all time. So it's um, pretty up there for me as well. Yeah, it's just lovely. Um, it is. It is. And I'm I'm really excited to talk about it with you because uh, watching your YouTube channel and everything, it's like your your enthusiasm and your passion for just horror in general. But obviously the screen movies and, you know, we're both patrons of Ryan C. Showers patrons group, which, by the way, check him out. Shout you just out. heard him last shout out. You just heard him last week on the screen three episode. So go check him out if you haven't by now. Uh, but yeah, so your your screen passion is real. And I'm, re I'm really happy I got you on for this specific episode, uh, let, let alone any screen film. Yes. No, I mean, as soon as you reached out, I, I immediately was like so excited. I've been thinking about this ever since we scheduled it because oh, me I, too. I've been wanting to talk about it. Yes, and especially, yes. you know, right now, it's such a good time to be a Scream fan. Oh, like, it really is. Like exploding out of me. Like, I just want to talk about Scream to like the fucking barber, you know, like. Right. <laughs> I, I literally like I tell I, there's. Like, luckily, we're in, in Ryan's little patron group. We we all share the same uh, excitement of, like, pretty much every waking minute of every day we're thinking about these yeah. movies. Like, yeah. people don't understand. They're like, oh, you like Scream? I'm like, no, you don't understand, bitch. Like, not a day <laughs> goes by that I don't think about these movies. I don't just like Scream. I am Scream. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. It is, it is, like, it is a lifestyle. It is us. It's in our it DNA. It really is. It is. It is. It is. Ghostface run rampant, runs rampant through us. Uh, and and, it, and this. So let's kind of set the ground here. I mean, I, I talked about how it came out 11 years later. Scream one, two and three was its own trilogy. It wasn't it wasn't planned as a trilogy. But then once Scream one did like amazing at the box office and a sequel was, excuse me, quickly greenlit. That is when they were like, oh, we can do a three series arc out of this. And that's when the whole trilogy kind of aspect came to be and by scream three for the most part the cast and crew were kind of done like you know the series felt closed sydney got her happy ending she got her closure with the uh her with her mother y you know courtney cox was kind of over it uh nev campbell was kind of over it even even west to an extent was like i think this is done but the cool thing about Scream is they basically installed a back door, or should I say a garage door with a doggy mm -hmm. door, to basically create 
a sequel anytime because Scream has all I, I, I pretty much say this in every uh, episode, but Scream has always been ahead of its time while also being relevant to the time it came out. So, you know, Scream 1 was about horror movies. Scream 2 was about sequels. Scream 3 was about the concluding chapter of a trilogy trilogy and Scream 4. So horror kind of runs its course uh, over the 2000s and early 2010s. And all of a sudden we start seeing these remakes pop up especially from Platinum Dunes. I don't know how Platinum Dunes got a hold of so many different properties, but Michael Bay was fucking working, I guess. Filling it out, uh, yeah. But yeah, Texas Chainsaw has a remake slash reboot. Um, Friday. Uh, Friday the 13th, 2009, had a reboot, remake. Uh, Halloween movie, had Rob Zombie's... Uh, yes, I agree. Rob Zombie's had uh, his Halloween remake, reboot. Um, and, and like all these... Even Prom Night got a remake that was like mm-hmm. PG-13 with Britney Snow. Uh, just... Mm-hmm all these remakes are coming out uh like crazy it's all about redoing the classics and uh scream over here is not uh not out there but then all of a sudden mr ghostface comes along and is like all right i got something to say about (laughs) about these damn remakes okay (laughs) and and something these remakes in general shared with each other is that they weren't masterpieces i mean you know we just said the friday the 13th one is good even that reception took a long time before people were like yeah this is actually a good friday the 13th movie but for the most part people were watching these remakes and they're like okay why oh nightmare on elm street got a remake can't believe i totally forgot to mention that one uh and that one especially was like shit on yeah and so all these remakes are coming out and they're not exactly doing they're making money at the box office because people are like oh i wonder what that's going to be like but the reception of them is bad so here comes little old wes uh the other wes craven uh little old kevin williamson we got marco beltrami doing the score we're getting Mm -hmm. courtney we're getting david we're getting nev we're getting the gang back together for scream four uh, that, and that's just that alone is so unique because it is so rare that you see a horror series that consistently uses the same director, same crew, same writers, same cast, all of that. That is that is not a concept that's usually done. Every so often you'll get a movie franchise where like maybe between one sequel and the next, it's the same. But then for the sequel following, it's a different scream. It is always been Wes Craven until he died, of course, and then new people took over. But the cast has always been the same. If you survive a screen movie, you basically come back and they don't they don't recast people. Uh the Kevin Williamson has always been around in some capacity. He didn't write the most recent two, uh most recent three, but he uh was uh on board uh on set on um y- you know like he was there he I, I he got a credit. Uh, I think it was just based on characters by credit, but he still was like there and they used him as a resource. So mm-hmm. for the most part, same cast and crew come back. And that is what happened here with Scream 4. And uh, God, I, I'm always like, where to start? But how about the beginning of the movie? <laughs> I mean, so, um, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, I just think, you know, it's like you were saying that you know, they all, we keep having, you know, the same cast and the same characters. And I, I feel like it just, you know, shows how well written they are that we want to keep seeing the characters come back because I feel like, you know, if they weren't so well written, then I don't think we would really care that much 
that they, you know, like, it's really cool that they keep coming back and that their arcs keep like changing and expanding and growing. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like to the point where we're at scream six and we're like, Oh my God, Courtney's back again, which very well, like could be the case in like lesser hands, but yeah. it's just because of the passion behind the franchise between like the cast, the crew and the fans. That is the reason that it's just stayed strong. Yeah. And you know what? Courtney Cox coming back for Scream 6 really is incredible and just shows how dedicated she is to the franchise. Courtney and Cox. Has, and she has an executive producer credit. That woman yeah. has infinite money. She has yeah. so much money from Friends Residuals. She has so much money from the Scream movies, Cougar Town, uh, uh, Shining Veil now. And she has like a, a home yeah her improvement like, brand i'm not sure it's like candles and soap and shit i don't know what to call it i don't that. think that's um, home improvement <laughs> what i don't know and, uh, <laughs> that's whatever whatever uh <laughs> brand of product she cosmetic for the home brand yeah yeah uh, it's like i don't know what's called is, you know, like self self, <laughs> self yeah yeah yeah. yeah right like what is that called but so my point is courtney cox does not need scream money She's doing this because she wants to, for the right. most part. And right. uh, like, yes, the executive producer credit is going to get her tons more money, but it, she, the same could be said for five. And she wasn't an EP on that one. Like she's doing it for the love of it. And um, we love that. But yeah, they got all four of them back for this, uh, or all three of them back for this fourth movie. And uh, so this was my first scream movie in theaters uh is that the case for you as well i think we're about the same age um it is not oh okay so, work yeah it's not so i didn't it's crazy because i grew up watching horror movies like my dad started showing me scary movies when i was like seven or eight the first one was yep. the shiny that oh, we work. watched together and i just like i was so scared but i also was like immediately obsessed with horror and i watched so like as much horror as I could get my hands on. And like, I just yep. never came across like scream. Like I don't, I knew about it, but I never nice. watched it. I don't know why. Um, And so then I was working at target in college, my senior year of college. So this would have been 2017. Oh, and okay. a three pack of like the first three movies. Right. Um, right. Like, I, five bucks. Like it was, like, I can totally movies. see the cover. It's like the one with ghost face and it's black and it's like three film collection. Yeah. 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 It's, it was one of those. And I was like, okay, well, why not buy this? Like I, you know, I've always wanted to watch it. And my boyfriend, he had seen it like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I asked him if I should buy it. And he was like, yes. So we watched the first three within like a day and a half. And That's my correct. mind was like blown. Like I remember just being so shook. And then the fourth one, I had to buy it on Amazon and I had to wait like three days to watch it. And I was so annoyed because I just really wanted to know what happened. And I also was like really into Emma Roberts because this mm -hmm. was like, you know, like Coven and Scream Queens. I'm like such a big Scream Queens fan. Of course, of course. And, like, and so I just loved her. So I, I really wanted to watch it. And I didn't know any of the discourse around any of these movies. I was just taking them in all organically. The best and way. Thank God. Like, I love that. Yeah. Movie. You know, I really didn't know. And so I just, you know, cruising along, like just loving all of them for different reasons. And but then the fourth one, like I was so fucking shook by the fourth one when we watched it. I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And like I was, so, I was like so close to the TV screen, like watching Emma's reveal because I was so fucking into it. And that mm -hmm. was the moment where I was like, "Scream is me." Like yeah, I yep, don't yep. know anything else now. 
So uh, I didn't get to see it in theaters, but that's still like a very memorable experience for me. Because I was like, just yeah. So... And no, I didn't definitely. really expect her to be Ghostface. I don't know why. Because I guess Listen, then... no one did. If people called it, they're lying. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, like even I guess now it would make more sense because she's yeah. kind of been, been type typecast. But at the time she had only done, you know, Coven and Scream Queens, but I didn't necessarily expect it to be her. So then when it was her, I was like overjoyed. Yep. Uh, I love that. And that and that kind of segues. My next question was going to be like, you know, I've, I've talked about it with everybody who's been on a Scream episode so far. Scream is such a different beast of a franchise that damn near everyone who enjoys this franchise has some unique story with it. Like people are like, oh, yeah, I saw Halloween on like cable one night when I was eight. People with Scream, they're like, no, 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 no. My like grandmother's uncle took me to see it on my birthday <laughs> because a car crashed and we had to go the left way. Like it's always some rebunctious story that got them into Scream. So so that that kind of gave some insight into your your Scream story, as, as yeah. Brian would say. Um and that's for me, this, because, yeah, okay. I was just gonna no, say, go. like, I did watch Halloween on cable, like, that's how I watched <laughs> it. So, like, it's so, like, it's so true. Well, I was yep. like 10, I watched it on cable. <laughs> yep, that's but Scream is a different beast. Everybody's got it, everybody like knows where they were when they saw Scream for the first time. Yeah. I personally yeah. cannot tell you where I was when I saw Halloween for the first time or Nightmare or any of those because I saw them so young and I just don't know. But Scream, Scream hit different so yeah. I've, I've talked about my scream story on the past episodes i was like really young i saw the first three when i was like six and unfortunately i just i, I wish i could tell you i was gagged when billy was the killer but i was six i i, I don't like i just that that's just been a fact since birth basically uh but scream four scream four that one's different so this this came out when i was in 2011 so i was 12 years old and i uh was like begging my parents to let me go see it because I needed to. I was like, are you kidding me? They're making another fucking Scream movie. And like, I didn't know the discourse either because I was so young, you know, and plus it was it was a little bit of a different time. I wasn't like on Reddit or I guess 4chan maybe back then, whatever. I was like, I wasn't even on like anything because I was 12. So um, I didn't know any of the discourse. I didn't know people didn't like Scream 3, uh, which th we talked plenty about that in last week's episode. But this movie... All I really knew is that it was coming out. I think I probably saw a trailer somewhere. Can't remember for certain, but I'm sure I saw a trailer for it at some point. And I was like, I need to see that. And uh, my mom took me to see it, who does not like movies, let alone horror movies. Like my mom watches pretty much Lifetime movies explicitly. And That's so literally saying. Yeah. So she took me to see it because I really, really wanted to. And she brought one of her friends. Uh, I think her name is Sarah. And she was kind of a horror fan uh, and definitely enjoyed horror movies. Uh, but so my mom brought her as a way to be like, all right, let, maybe this can be like a little more tolerable if I bring my bring my gal pal here. Uh, and I was also into it because, you know, she was into horror movies. So she was excited to see it as well. So I was like, mom ignored. But my mom's friend, we're, we're, on, <laughs> we're, we're in it together, baby. Besties. Uh, but yeah, 12 years old, just sitting in a Scream theater was insane. And then, uh, like, I mean, we'll get into it at the end, but seeing Emma Roberts, who I knew from Unfabulous, because at this right. point she hadn't, she had, uh, when this movie came out, she hadn't done Coven and uh, Scream Queens and, and, you know, all the other shit that she's been in. Now, 
um so i i just knew her as kind of this nickelodeon star and like kind of internet girl like yeah 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 like from youtube and shit so i i was into her and i i was uh, like i didn't stand her like i do now but i definitely was like oh yeah i know this girl like i i know somebody who's in the screen movie without someone telling me that like you know she's an iconic actress um and so i go to see this movie in theaters when that ghost face mask came off (laughs) my jaw hit the ground of that theater and did not pick up until the credits roll. Uh, but yeah, so Scream 4 had such an impact on me. And and as if I wasn't already super on board, I mean, I had gone as Ghostface every Halloween at this point, as if I wasn't already on board with the series, I'm like, we got another one, another one. So just it's it's impact truly cannot be understated. And it isn't just for the killer reveal. So let, let's get into all the reasons why Scream 4 really is just oh, some top tier shit, man. Yes. <laughs> Wait, wait, before we start, what is your yes. ranking? Oh, uh, my ranking. Okay. Uh, watch this be different than the ranking I gave last week. I'm sure it is because it changes fluid. so often. It's however, changing. it's fluid. Yes. Uh, however, I do think I'm kind of at the point where my number one and number two are probably not going to change, even even with sick. Well, we'll see. So right now, I would say my current ranking stands one, four, three, five two is where i'm gonna go at this given moment in time okay uh just because they're all so good but one in one in four just hit on such a slightly higher level than the other ones do not not that the other sequels don't hit because believe me they do uh but i they these i just have such a close personal to me attachment with the uh with one in four that i don't quite have as much with with um two three and five but mm-hmm. uh yeah absolutely great movies all around so I, i'm gonna go with one four three five two what about you love that um mine is four five three one two. Ooh, okay nice uh, i like yeah. it um a little controversial maybe but like i said i mean four is the my favorite truth, baby so yeah i mean it's it, 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 it yeah it, it's I just it's 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 great it's 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 so good it can't it can't, can't, just can't be understated no i'm like i i okay i don't know if it's just because of the excitement factor for five mm-hmm. that it's so high for me but i watch it all the time at home i have it logged like 19 times on letterbox like i literally oh nice yeah same. Well, I would... a temper movie for me at this point Oh, same. Oh, my God. Comfort movie. I just tweeted out a thing about this movie being a comfort movie and it hasn't stopped getting retweeted. And I'm kind of annoyed because my phone's buzzing. But yeah, no, they all are. I love these movies. These movies, I just literally if I ever need background noise and I'm like, eh, don't really feel like listening to music, not that kind of mood. And I and I just don't have anything that I'm like currently watching or want to watch. It's Scream. It's one of the sequels. It doesn't even matter which one. I'll just throw them on for shits and gigs. Like sometimes I'm in the mood to see Parker Posey act a fool. So I'm like Scream 3 today. Sometimes I want to see Laurie Metcalf's Crazy Eyes. So Scream 2, you know, Uh, these movies really are just it's a lifestyle. (laughs) It really is. All right. Oh. So we've had three screen movies so far. And if there's one thing we know about screen movies by now, it is that the opening scene is going to be an iconic moment because there's always yep. some girl who undoubtedly answers the phone that gets her killed. And there's there's always an opening kill at this point, the cold open whatever you may have other movies do this too but scream especially, you know, first one we had Drew Barrymore and the second one, and and Steve don't want to discount Stephen Orth over there. Right. Second one we had 
Jada Pickett. Jada Pinkett Smith and uh, Omar Epps Scream 3 we get maybe not as big as an actor uh, with with Liev Shriver but narrative to the Scream storyline he's a huge player so it was big that we started that movie with Cotton Weary so now Scream 4 opens and the first thing we see after the landline rings is Lucy Hale of Pretty Little Liars and um, Sinead uh, I can't think of her last name Rhymes uh playing trudy and sherry really yes, iconic names iconic names like so <laughs> so you know we have some we have two big actresses from the time who people know so it's like oh here we go we're getting ready with the opening kill and uh the you know the phone rings and it's Ghostface, obviously uh and he's he, you know he's he's doing he's doing the bit he's doing the natural run through he's giving he's hitting them with the you know your favorite scary movie the whole who is this who are you calling for wrong number and we're we're just going through the beats of you know what we know a scream movie to be and right. uh trudy's whole thing is that she has got an internet stalker which by the way love that she has a sidekick I miss my sidekick oh. so much. Every time I oh, see her I... with that phone screen around, I'm like, oh, RIP to a legend. No, I was obsessed with the keyboard. Like, I had to have one because I just needed to be able to, like, push it open and, like, you know, type my little fingers away on the, like, full keyboard. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So Absolutely. I love uh, the representation of the early 2010s. Oh, her taste. No, Seriously. absolutely. And I, I am the same. I begged begged my dad to get me that phone <laughs> and i don't know if it's still like this most likely not because everybody either has an iphone or an android at this point but back in this era the the sidekick was only a t-mobile thing mm -hmm. and we did not have t-mobile we had us cellular throwback me too oh nice nice and so in order to get this phone and for it to work you had to buy an unlocked version, which is essentially a jailbroken version. Mm -hmm. So that way you could pop your AT&T or US cellular SIM card into that phone and make it work. So my dad got it for me and, and I showed him like the Amazon like unlocked. So <laughs> I literally begged my dad for this fucking phone and he bought me a jailbroken uh, sidekick so I could fucking play it. You have this goddamn That's phone. And I had it for years. I, th I honestly think it was the last phone I got before smartphone territory because i had yeah. it for so long i would say love uh, that but yeah anyway so she's she's got her internet stalker thing going on and sherry's like you're being punked this is channing tatum this is not a, a real person like you're literally being catfished um so that goes awry pretty quickly because uh then you know ghostface starts getting more intimidating as he does doing the whole like i'm outside kind of thing doorbell rings they open it no one's there. And then Trudy gets a text that says, I'm not outside. I'm standing right behind you or beside you. And then boom, stabs the shit out of her. We are getting started quick. This Scream 4 is taking no time. It's like, you know what? You know the scene. You know the bit. That's why we're just going to run through it real quick. And then before uh, like Sherry turns around and to run away after watching her friend slash sister get stabbed, uh, in the chest and die she goes to run away but before she can even make it out the front door another ghost face comes out and slashes her throat scream four isn't oh. fucking around at this point you know that there's two killers and this movie's like you know what we're not even gonna hide it this time so we 
she you know she does this very dramatic slide down the down the wall the yes, hair sticks as it. she goes the blood it's great and then we get the title card except something's off it doesn't say scream four it says stab six psych motherfucker we got you that was not the real opening to the movie that was the opening of stab six the movie within a movie that these you know we i mean at this point scream four we all know stab is a big player so this implies that after scream three they would go on to make many many more stab movies because we just watched the opening to stab six and this is now a franchise just like scream it's now a franchise so right off the bat we're kind of starting with this very meta angle uh which is on brand for the series you know and and i think this is a clever route to take for a, a couple of reasons uh were you a little gobsmacked by this quick little opening segment fake out opening here i was fucking gagged i i will never forget how fucking shook i was the first time that i saw that like mm -hmm. that's when i was immediately like scream four is better than the other ones like and i i people have a problem with this opening for whatever reason reasons reasons right i can't really fathom personally um they see this gimmicky which is kind of annoying but go on yeah i mean it's just um i don't know i it's just so different from the other movies i guess because i mean not that the other three are the same because they are different while still being the same i guess but this one like just there hasn't been anything like this yet um, and it, I mean, you're so shocked and obviously like we still have more to go. Um, but even after this first, um, fake out where we see the stab six title card, um, like I can just imagine that the whole audience was like, what in the literal fuck? Like, that's yeah, just definitely. smart. It is smart. It's, it's very smart and clever because it shows, it shows, doesn't tell, shows that stab is still a thing. Like we're not abandoning that plot point or anything. Exactly. And that and, it's um, <clears throat> evolving with the Facebook yes. killer. Like it's, it's showing that like, just like, you know, how the motive in Scream 4 is ultimately going to be like, you know, we've come so far from Scream 1. Like it's showing yeah. that the movies, the stab movies are doing the same thing. Well, and like you said, it it, it kind of ties into the to the internet stalker of it all, and that's it, it, in a way it sort of foreshadows what's eventually going to happen. And 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 yeah, like you said. So, for example, instead of, I mean, yes, Ghostface is definitely still doing the phone calls, but sh uh, Sherry, no, Trudy. Sorry, I always get the two names confused for some reason. Trudy is getting pictures on her sidekick, so now Ghostface is like sending text messages, exactly. which he, of course, does in five as well. And so, like, we technology has evolved, movies have evolved, Ghostface has evolved. Exactly. So we get to we open to the real opening. Two more actresses that we know very well: Kristen Bell of you know what? I don't know what she was famous for at this time. Was Veronica Mars out? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Kristen Bell is Veronica Mars. Okay. Kristen Bell is like super, super famous for and has always been. So I, but yeah, so I, I like, knew who she was. Oh yeah, that's another thing. I I knew vaguely who uh, Lucy Hale was. I never watched Pretty Little Liars uh, before. So I like vaguely knew who she was from just, you know, being her, her fame. Mm -hmm. And I did not know Sinead at the time. So I like in terms of like recognizing actors, I didn't. And then same thing here when I was younger, I definitely knew Kristen Bell, but I didn't know Anna Paquin. So... <laughs> Oscar winner, like, Anna Paquin in Oscar Porter. winner, Oscar hey. winner. Hello, the caliber uh, of performance here. Right, say. right, right. 
and so I'm and you know, I, in my head, my 12 year old head, I'm like, oh, my God, Kristen fucking Bell's in this movie. I know that woman. Cool. Like, can't wait to see what kind of character she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and so uh, they so these two characters whose names I think are Rachel and Nicole or something like that. I have no idea. I don't know. I, I think they're only it. billed in the credits. Okay. Uh, but yeah, either way. So we'll just, you know, call them Anna and, and uh, Kristen. So Kristen yeah. is like, so we see the, we see the stab six title card. They, cl- they turn the TV off and Anna Paquin's character starts complaining about them, basically sh- shitting on the genre being like, Oh, it's all so predictable. You know, like, are you kidding me? These teens like sit around and deconstruct horror movies. It's been done to death. And so, uh, but Kristen Bell's character is advocating like, no, I like them. I think, I think the stab movies are actually scary because it's a actual person. It's not, what did she say? Little Asian ghost girls. (laughs) (laughs) Like cosine, I agree. Cosine, yeah. Uh, So she, you know, they're just kind of basically having this old, good old fashioned horror movie debate in, in scream fashion, you know? So they're, they're talking about whether or not they're good movies and you know in a way this is also you know foreshadowing basically spelling out what scream 4 is going to capitalize on uh and and or comment on here because they're talking about how bad these movies are which like we said at the beginning was the consensus for all these remakes that kept coming out is that they were bad uh why redo a classic there's no point and so they're you know they're kind of talking they're sitting in their living room kitchen area anna goes to get a soda sits back down on the couch and she is just going she is just going she is shitting on these movies she is a reddit user she said these movies are fucking stupid it's also predictable you can see everything coming and then in a shocking turn of events that (laughs) i guarantee she didn't see coming (laughs) kristen bell was hiding the ghost face knife uh the buck knife in the couch cushion or like behind her or whatever pulls it out and just stabs her no costume nothing just stabs her in the stomach because you know they're sitting next to each other on the couch and it's oh and uh marco marco beltrami is back for this one and it just you feel right at home because you know wes mm-hmm. is behind the camera and you hear these marco beltrami signature uh cinematic punches that are rampant throughout the first four movies and it it is just it feels right you know and so we're just like whoa and at this point you're at a first watch and and this shows if you show this movie to somebody who's never seen this movie before even now their brain is just like what the literal fuck is going on because we just had a fake out and now this chick is stabbing this other woman and what is going on and then you know, before some really cunty and campy dialogue from Kristen Bell, where she's like, you talk too much. Now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. Which is yes. also like, yeah, like yes. literally, how many times have you been like trying to like show somebody you know something, like a movie or something, and they're just kind of like on their phone and you're like looking at them like, no, 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 you need to watch, like pay right. attention. Like, no, 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 every scene, every second of this movie needs to be observed, bitch. This is right. not a distraction film. This is a watch film. So how many times, like, who can't relate to, like, passionately showing someone something and them not taking it seriously? So uh, Kristen over here takes it to the extreme and takes her ass out for it. And then she turns the TV back on, which then we get the title card 
stab seven we still mm. have it's still I it's a movie it. within a movie it's a double fake out it's never been do, done before this is this movie is is wants to fuck with you and it's That's already so begun good. like mental I just, gymnastics okay. I need to go on record and say stab seven would have been my favorite stab. Like I, there's just, no <laughs> it was Olivia's favorite too. That, listen, I'm just saying like, she has taste because like, it's just so funny. Like the Kristen Bell performance, she is one of the MVPs, like unsung heroes of this movie to me, because in such little screen time, I think that she is so memorable with her dialogue. She is. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's so quotable. Ask her in a horror movie for real. Please, right? someone. And and she, uh, like, I think a lot of people sleep on the fact that Kristen Bell has canonically been a ghost face. Granted, it was in Stab, but it still happened. Oh, it counts. <laughs> no, it still counts. It like, still counts. It's so funny. Like, that's why, like, I just feel like Scream 4 has so many fun moments that the other ones don't have as many of. And like, this is a great example of just this movie having a good time while still true to itself by having, you know, the meta aspect and the horror aspect and still being just fucking fun. I love yes, it. that because that's one thing. The all three screen movies prior to this were, and and it's fun, and it's it's hard. Like people are like, "What do you mean a horror movie's fun?" It's just the tone of it is light hearted. You know, like there's uh, it's a little campier than the it, other but, ones. But it's 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 not even the camp. It's just like these a fun horror movie is one where the audience member is engaged in a in a way where they feel like they're in on in on it. You know, it, like sometimes it's fun to root for the villain because these are movies. This is fantasy. It's a, it's a it's fiction. It's right. it's fun. This it's fun to get into a fictionalized story. And sometimes and Ghostface has basically evolved to become such an iconic persona at this point that no matter who's under the mask when they're in costume and we're getting roger l jackson's voice it, it they all play a similar role because that's the ghost face mantle and and the fact that they were able to capture such a unique thing like that while also keeping it a whodunit murder mystery is just insane and it's it's fun to play along with the audio uh with the characters as an audience and be like oh my god is this person the killer because in movie that's what they're doing and as an audience member as you're watching that's what you're doing exactly it's like it truly is and like you know we say that it's meta and they're even saying in scream 4 that it's meta and yep. like i feel like that like could go overboard but they tow the line perfectly in my opinion to where you're watching it and instead of rolling your eyes at the meta-ness you're able to like bask in it yeah and it's it's weird know. that this movie all of a sudden is when people are like oh the meta-ness is stupid because like that's always been a a, a factor right with scream two and three those movies are extremely meta scream three is more self-aware and i forget which episode of this podcast it is but one episode i went on like a 30 minute rant about the difference between self-aware and meta but these movies are both so it, it when this movie within a movie aspect comes on the menace is out like through the roof so for them to like they've been doubling down on it so it doesn't i don't know why people kind of think this movie is the one where it's like too much yeah yeah i don't i don't know i like I said, if you like the way that the other ones are done, then go watch the other four. Like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. What to tell you? I appreciate the freshness of this. And yeah, the like you, it, they had to you know? evolve. Like it, it just it's very relevant to the times, and even now it's still relevant. Uh, because these these movies 
all these remakes that came out around the time they they came out and they can't be undone every like their release date is set in stone their rating on fucking rotten tomatoes and whatnot is pretty much set in stone like people have their their they ran their internet discourse those movies happen like you can't undo it so this movie will always be like a relevant to the time and the more horror evolves it just becomes more and more relevant uh but any anyway so we we finally get into the real opening at this point maybe people are like still unsure right uh, which is part of the fun too which is fair yeah it's part of the fun it's like okay trust anymore yeah this movie makes you not trust it right off the bat it's a very good trick on wes and kevin's part subliminally to be like this movie do not trust this movie which is basically like because a lot of people myself involved uh especially fall into the trap of trusting jill and look what happens in the end but yeah. so we get oh, the real oh. opening and it's Jenny Randall and Marnie Cooper played by two women whose names I absolutely cannot remember off the top of my head. I'm so sorry. Amy Teagarden, Friday Night Light fans. Can I hear you scream? That's it. That's it. She plays uh, J- uh, Jenny, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm Marnie. A, I'm a I, Marnie. Probably, so. I don't know about Marnie. I don't. I forget. OK, but I did recently just find out like I was looking at her IMDb thing and she's the lead role in some horror movie that i've watched a bunch and i'm like what she is not Uh-oh. in that movie and i see now i gotta <laughs> now i gotta look it up before it drives me nuts um but yes we're focusing on new characters jenny and randy and or jenny and marnie my bad uh and they they turn off the tv they turn off stab seven and they're doing doing the same thing the previous two openings have done they're talking about the horror movies so you know jenny's all like i love it oh my god there's such a it's such a great franchise even though some of them are silly and marnie's like this is the the stupidest shit i have ever seen in my life marnie is not having it please uh which and she kind of acts as a stand-in for the people like it's funny because you know the people we were just talking about that are like oh it's gimmicky it's not relevant towards scream 4 the actual movie i'm like why are you such a marnie which is on purpose like they put her there on purpose too like oh most definitely i'm begging people to actually think through this opening and like open your eyes to yeah yeah a lot of people just just dismiss it once they kind of come to the mental conclusion that it's a gimmick but it's like no you gotta like really pay attention to what's going on here okay right her name is Britt robinson the woman Brit? who plays uh marnie Brit. here okay, and she what movie is she in that i got shook at it's sorry i'm scrolling through her imdb until i see the oh okay that's right it's not a horror movie i have misled but it is uh it's like a r-rated comedy movie called the family tree i don't know it was one of those ones that was just always on cable when i was younger or whatever like always on demand so i watched it a ton growing up i haven't watched it in many years but my point is i watched it a bunch and she plays one of the like main most characters and i was like what she is not in that movie and then i looked up pictures and i was like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) uh but anyway anyway so we have our two girls you know they're doing the horror movie discourse thing and this is this is what lets us know that this is the real opening because uh jenny starts talking about how they are based off true stories the original three were based off sydney prescott but then she threatened to sue if they used her stories and then just start making stuff up (laughs) uh so and that also lets us the audience kind of know what's going on here too because uh as we know in universe stab three was shut down because all the actors and the director died right but uh the clearly 
at some point in time, they were picked up and continued the franchise. And because it was such a different, uh, you know, story, they, you know, they were like, and that also, I kind of get that for Sydney's perspective, you know, to be like, okay, literally last time I, we're like, we're already sick of this whole stab shit, but literally someone tried to make a movie about this and they all died. And here you are trying to do it again. No, do not use my story. No more, no more of this. So I can I mean, see her getting fed up after step three. Yeah, no, it's completely understandable. And I feel like that's also kind of setting up, you know, even I'm, you know, Scream 5, I know that they kind of had their own ideas for maybe what happened, but like even setting up that the sequels are different and they've kind of gone yep. off the rails. Like we do get that in the ultimate like Scream 5 that we get, yeah. you know, that we ended up getting. And that plays a big part in everything that's going on in that movie. So I feel like that's just another you know, way to kind of show that Scream 4 is more relevant now than maybe it seemed at the time. Yeah. Um, even if they didn't necessarily mean to, but I just think that that's an interesting um, point. Right. No, definitely. And th this one, Scream 4 is probably the one that's the most ahead of its time. Um, oh, but yeah, so, yeah. so we, uh, one of the girls goes upstairs and then the phone rings and Marnie, our horror hater over here, answers it. And it's Ghostface being like, this is the last person you're ever going to see alive. And cut to Jenny upstairs. Yeah. Uh, go upstairs. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, go cut upstairs to Jenny on the phone on the other line, starting to laugh and being like, sorry, I had to. And this is actually quite a game changer, which definitely, definitely makes sense. The reason she was able to imitate Ghostface's voice is because now the voice changer is an app, which is totally, totally, totally on brand for what makes sense logically instead of an actual device. Because, you know, you can buy those devices and like, uh, you know, in universe, Roger L. Jackson's voice is just a standard voice changer voice. That's how it works. Uh, and, you know, Scream 3 has its how illogical you ever want to call it. Just get on board with it. The voice changer that steals the characters voices so now like roger L. jackson's voice is a is is simply essentially an ai generated voice in universe so it totally makes sense that it would be ported to an app and then you can just talk into your phone and then bam ghostface it, it totally makes sense to me and and that is also a game changer for the entire franchise moving forward because it, it, cell phones would only become more and more relevant as this went on so, yeah, uh, Jenny, you know, she does the prank call and then Marnie, you hear her get like grabbed or choked or probably stabbed and uh, on the other end of the phone. So Jenny goes downstairs and she's like, what the hell's going on? Like, and she thinks it's a prank. So she's like, oh, you know, you really should direct horror movies. Your timing is great. And then but plot twist, it's not a horror movie. Well, it is for us, but not for them. Right. And uh, Marnie is actually dead because she picks up the phone and it's actual, actual ghost face and he throws Marnie through the window. Jenny sees her dead body and just starts running, 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 and eventually finds herself in the garage. Shout out to Tatum, RIP. Mm -hmm. And gets stabbed a couple of times. Ghostface closes the garage door on her back. It's real nasty. And then as she gets stabbed for the final time, title card scream four it's the real opening baby how do you feel about the real opening of scream four so the thing is like i don't love the last part quite as much and i think it's because i don't care that much about jenny or marnie mm -hmm. i don't know like like it's fine but um if if anyone was gonna knock the scream four opening like i would 
you know, think it would be for this more than for like the fake outs and everything. And yeah, like, I, I do think this one is pretty. This particular it's, segment it's is a little standard. weaker. I, I it's very that's standard. Why, so you would, you know, you would think after the two fake outs, they would kind of whip it up, you know, like push it a little bit more. Exactly. And uh, the alternate version, I'm sure yes. you you know plenty, uh, yes. as most Scream fans do. But uh, I guess for anyone who maybe doesn't know, there's an alternate version of the Scream 4 opening that I personally think would have worked way better. Um, the roles are reversed. So what happens essentially is uh marnie goes to the refrigerator or whatever to get like a bag of chips or snacks or some shit and then when she closes the refrigerator door ghostface is there but instead of being like the normal trope it and being like right in front of her ghostface is actually behind jenny who is on the couch facing marnie so so not looking at ghostface she's like backwards on the couch and then you know, she gets startled by this because all of a sudden somebody in a ghost face mask is right in front of them. And, you know, this time it makes sense because Marnie says, oh, come on, funny joke, assholes or whatever. And uh, it, it makes sense this time because, you know, they're they're the first kills of this killing spree. What A killing spree with a ghost face mask hasn't happened in uh, over uh, 10 years in Woodsboro since 1996. So there's, she definitely doesn't have reason to believe that somebody's actually trying to kill her. So it makes sense that she thinks it's a joke this time. And what happens is Ghostface stabs Jenny like brutally right there on the couch. And Marnie just kind of watches and she doesn't even flinch because she thinks it's a joke. And mm. also it's important to note that whether it be because this uh, ending was or this opening was scrapped and just unfinished or whatever, there's no music happening right now. Silence. You just hear dialogue and stabbing noises and screaming. And it, it's chilling because of that. And mm. so Jenny is actually the one that dies in this one. And after quite a few stabs and blood curdling screams, Marnie is like, wait a minute, is this actually happening? So she's like, she kind of goes over there and is like, holy shit, this is real and starts running from Ghostface, who eventually uh, catches up with her and stabs her dead. And I forget what her line is right before she dies, but it's something along the lines of like, who are you or you're not real or something like that. And it's it's pretty cool. And I think the no music is chilling. It's a little bit shorter and to the point. But I think for this, it would have I think the alternate version is the one they should have used. And it sucks that it wasn't. Uh, but if you've never seen it. Go check it out on the special features on the DVD Blu-ray or on YouTube, wherever you can find it. I'm sure it's pretty easy to find. But uh, yeah, so that's that is the real opening. And now we cut to that uh, in true scream fashion after the opening cut into Sydney. A queen. So happy A to queen. see. Her. So glad that we're already like starting with her. After, yeah. Um, you know, scream three. We kind of had to we you know, they held her out for a little bit. Um, but yeah. This one, yeah. We're like we're jumping right back in, bitch. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's all about Sydney. So it's, you know, the, you know, the movie knows that this is what you're here to see. Sydney Prescott, the uh, ghost face. And, oh, uh, now's a good time to talk about the visual filter. So as most people know, there's this very glossy, very of the times, oversaturated filter over the pretty much the entire movie. And it is kind of visually a pain to look at. And Wes Craven, you know, says, the reason he did this is because he wanted the movie to feel different and feel like its own style because the first three movies are very cohesive unit. Like you can tell those movies, those mo if you play them back to back, you would think they filmed a back to back or some shit mm -hmm. because those movies really just hit, hit, hit. And they're so visually similar. So now that it's a new 
movie and you know this was planned to kick off a whole new scream trilogy obviously that didn't happen at the time but it's happening now we'll talk about that maybe later but point is they kind of wanted more sequels after this so they wanted this new trilogy to have this distinct visual style old versus new and that's why this filter is there and i agree that it's definitely visually ugly and maybe not the best choice but if you go back and watch all the other remakes that came out at this time, they all kind of have that, especially the Texas Chainsaw one. Holy shit. That one is the same fucking thing, like super oversaturated, lots mm. of popping, like damn near Technicolor shit. Yeah, no, I mean, I honestly don't mind it. Um, and I think it's probably because I watched Scream 4 so many times before I noticed it. Like, I didn't even same, realize same. it until I was on Scream Twitter. Right, right, so, and people have pointed out. Exactly, and so to me, like, I had just seen it so many times, and I, like, loved it, and so now I watch it, and I'm like, okay, I could see how, I guess, people are bothered, but I don't even think about it. Like, I don't think about it for one second while I'm watching this movie. The uh, the only time I think about it is this opening scene right here because it's very like, glaring. with it's very glittery and, and glaring. Uh, and it's but like, yeah, no. And it, and it does work because, you know what, when I think about this movie in retrospect, like in my head, I, I always remember like this filter because I'm like later. And, and there is moments in the movie where it really does uh, work to the movie's advantage, like for pretty much the entire finale in the exactly. in Kirby's house, like everybody's contour and highlight looks so good. You can see the sweat oh. on their faces because, you know, they're fucking scared and running all around this house. But the beginning, we go to Sydney and she is on her book tour. She has written her own book, uh, taking a page out of seems like something Gail's Weathers would do. <laughs> uh, and so she wrote her own book and it's about reinventing herself she doesn't want to be known as this victim uh let alone a local celebrity victim as the, <laughs> as the woodsboro news would go to coin her yeah. uh so she you know she wants to reinvent herself she it's called out of darkness and she uh it's a whole book people are eating it up it's a i think it's a new york bestseller new york times bestseller uh because it's who doesn't love a, a survivor story a reinvention you know hearing hearing a she has survived three killing sprees that are about her and then a movie franchise that would go on to further put her in the public eye. So she, instead of just hiding in the shadows, she, whoa, stepped out of, <laughs> out of, out of darkness and into the light and accepted that she's not a victim. She's a survivor and that's her story. So good exactly. for Sydney. We love to see yeah. it. I really love that for her. And it kind of, you know, like you said, Gail wrote a book and now I feel like Sydney in a way is reclaiming her identity. Yeah. And oh, story absolutely. By writing her own book. So I really like that parallel. Um, And, you know, she's doing it for herself. Like, you know, she isn't doing it to get famous. Like she she's doing it because it's going to help her and probably help other people. And like that just says so much about Sydney when like all of the other media basically that we're exposed to in this movie is just to exploit like other yeah. people's tragedies. She really um, is a perfect foil to Gail. Yeah. It, 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 like, I love that. I just, I love that. Yeah. And I love that. It, uh, oh, I won't get ahead. I was going to say, we can move on. Oh no, no, go ahead, please. I'm really bad at interrupting. So I want to, no, hear no, I mean, I, I was going to kind of move forward. We haven't gotten there yet, but like just Gail, oh, yeah. she has her, like when they meet in the bookstore or whatever, and she's like, I haven't read it yet. Or she says something like that. And I'm she, like, yeah, she says, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Exactly. And, and I know like that, a, you know, the diplomatic will. way. 
Yeah, she never will. And just like Sydney isn't going to read Gail's book, you know, it's like. Right. Yeah. No, this is a perfect segue because the next thing I was going to talk about is is Gail's entrance. Right away, we get Gail uh, showing up at the book tour because this book tour is in Woodsboro, which also takes a lot of that took a lot of courage for Sydney to return to her hometown, the place where it all, you know, every I'm sure that stepping foot in there is nothing but trauma. Listen, I have never been stalked by a serial killer. But st- even going near my hometown just immediately for me personally emits like all these traumatic ang- anxious vibes. So for her to do that is like so incredible. But she did it. She went back to the back to Woodsboro. You know, she paid her town some respect. Shout out to the W. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so Gail arrives at the bookstore and th- this movie I think is Gail and Sydney's most complex and complicated relationship of the five since, you know, like you were saying, you know, Gail got her fame by writing this book about what happened in Woodsboro. And then that would eventually be adapted into the movie stab. So, you know, Gail maybe got famous for all the wrong reasons, uh, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, Oh my God, so much is going on with Gail in this movie. So, and so she, here she is. And, and, you know, this is kind of intercut with this scene pretty much. Uh, so, first of all, she's married to Dewey now, which we saw at the end of Scream 3. So, they've been married for 10 years. Awesome. Love that for them. And then, but also, you can kind of tell that they're in a rocky place because here's Gail, this woman who was an aspiring journalist. You know, she had in the first movie, she talks about winning a Pulitzer. And uh, in Scream 3, you know, she's given uh, press speeches at universities, you know, so she's Gail is an esteemed, regardless of the content and why, a professional journalist, journalist, like uh, maybe not like definitely not influencer, but um, I'm trying to like compare her to like somebody modern, but I guess I don't know. I can't think of a good example, but, you know, she's definitely somebody that the public knows and um so so she and she has big dreams and ambitions. She always has. But then you have Dewey, who is this small town kind of guy, you know, everybody in town knows him. And uh, which which really shows uh, because shortly after we meet uh, the the new batch of children and one of the first one is Kirby, who is driving really fast and has to slam in her brakes and uh you know, Kirby's like, oh, sorry, Sheriff. And Dewey's like, oh, Kirby. So oh, you, it yeah. just kind of shows that small town aspect, mm-hmm. you know, that like they know each other. There's this respect. Like I, my mom knew the town cop in my hometown. Uh, so it, I, I get it. I get the vibe. But it, so my point is you have Gail, who's this wild, ambitious personality and Dewey, who's not. He's the opposite of that. So Gail is so conflicted here because she loves Dewey and is attracted to him and they're I, I really do think they're soulmates you know they baby they clearly have a toxic ish relationship but they do kind of balance each other in such a perfect way i mean you know these are fictional narrative characters so in that way they they really are soulmates but they just want different things so gail is kind of at uh at odds with herself because she wants to do these big projects and live this ambitious life but she's in woodsboro this small town where nothing really happens i mean you know a movie was based a horror movie killing spree got fictionalized into a movie there and it's so it's known for something as um i think jenny says in the beginning 
so, you know, Woodsboro has a little bit of uh, a story to it, but at the same time, nothing's happening. Gail has writer's block. There's nothing to write about because the last thing she wrote about was a horrific crime that she witnessed firsthand. So, you know, she doesn't know she can't do fiction. She, she reports the news. And uh, so, you know, she just has this drive that isn't being satiated. And, you know, as, and this is why I think Gail's my favorite character of the entire series and of the trio as, as someone who just like moved to LA and wants to do these big dreams. I can't imagine having to like, being in my, still being in my hometown like regardless of a romantic partner or not like it's just i moved here specifically because there are opportunities that just straight up don't exist back there so i i get gail's frustration definitely yeah i mean yeah i i think that it's a really interesting dichotomy between them and as much as it hurts to see them struggling um you know i i do like kind of what it does for both of their characters i like seeing that conflict and it kind of ignites gail to really pursue a big role in the investigating that happens later because she finally gets a spark again but in order for her to get that and for us to be able to you know see courtney act out that arc and everything they had to be there first so i really do like that they ultimately chose that route um, yeah, that stuck because of what we end up getting from it for Gail specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's it it makes sense. It narratively, this is why Scream is known for its characters because these aren't just char- they aren't caricatures. I've said that in pretty much every Scream episode. They're real people with complex emotions and feelings about the world surrounding them, and. Also, this whole thing with Dewey, that's just her conflict with Dewey, not to mention her conflict with Sydney, which so, you know, they've been through a lot at this point. You know, they she punched her twice. Then then they had this awkward hug in three. And now here they are reuniting uh, at Sydney's book tour. Sydney is kind of living the life Gail yearns for because she has this this successful book. And here's Gail with this writer's block and she can't figure out how to move forward in her career and here's sydney absolutely shining in that and you know gail has really come to like sydney they've been through a lot together they're very bonded you know via trauma are they keeping you know texting each other on on weekends and keeping in touch maybe probably not honestly but they're still one of those people that's just you know they're bonded they can't deny their past and what they've been through so they're going to always have this mutual respect for each other and gail certainly has that for sydney and it shows but at the same time she can't help but feel envious because she's so stuck in watching her dreams play out in front of her she's like you know sydney i'm happy for you i'm gonna let you finish but fuck i wish this was me (laughs) right and like it's crazy because to take the complexity one step further, the only reason that Sydney is in this position in the first place is because of Gail, because she wrote a book that made Sydney famous. So it's like exactly, you know, it's all like falls back on her at the end of the day, and that's why yeah. she's such a robust character. Like there's just so much there between like, yeah. like the yeah. guilt and the jealousy and the ambition, and, and the they just further this in five be her friend yeah these emotions so and and, you know they share a hug at this books bookstore thing you know like she comes in and sydney's like oh gail like she's you know not excited to see her but she's definitely like happy to see her oh hey and you know they they share a hug and it's i don't think it's a 
like they don't hate each other but like yeah. like we said gail has this this envy and and at the end of the day Sydney feels a similar way. Like, you know, she knows Gail, uh, you know, they've been through some shit now and she knows she's obviously really close with Dewey and knows that she's Dewey's wife and everything. So, you know, they, I'm sure they have interaction and, you know, they like, you know, they've been through a lot. So, but at the same time, she wrote the book about her mom. She's, you know, a a lot, a lot of the reasoning for everything. Gail was in the middle of it. You know, she was the one advocating that Cotton was innocent, which, you know, he was, but still the way she, Gail would go about it was a little uh attacky and you know so they they have this such a complicated history and so they've come such a long way and it's still not like a perfect relationship but there's just it we're we're not even five minutes into the movie basically and we already just this shows so much about who these are our beloved trio is and where they're at in life exactly yeah they they do a really good job of just kind of setting up um exactly what's going on with the trio and then um also you know we'll get to jill here pretty soon they do a really good job of setting her up too and i think that's um you know just credit to wes and kevin once again for once again they're just there's they don't really have to take any time like they just set it up from the beginning and they're like okay off to the races like right and it's it's just it's compelling but it's still like this movie is fast man like this movie goes by every i never have an issue watching it even though it's two hours i uh, just under i never have an issue watching it because it's just it is just quick 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 like i'll be i'll be watching this movie and i'm like fuck we're already at the stabathon but the next scene is kirby's house and that's the end of the movie but then then and then all of a sudden we're in the hospital yeah yeah like it's fast this movie doesn't waste time. Like all the other screen movies, they're pretty fast paced. They don't really have dull moments for me. Mostly pretty much every second of screen time is utilized. And right. uh, so what happens, what sets the story up that this is real is uh, at this book signing, Dewey shows up, you know, we got our trio back together, which very good way to bring them all back together. You know, this like this or it's organic. It makes sense. It exactly. doesn't feel forced at all. And Dewey shows up because he's now sheriff of Woodsboro and they, uh, you know, they know that these kids are dead and they trace the coordinates of something uh, to this this bookstore. And when they show up, they find that in Sydney's rental car, there is all these bloody photos of Sydney from her press tour and the ghost face knife and basically all this evidence being like. We're back in business, baby. It's happening. And so Sydney, now much older, much more experienced in life. You know, she's been through some shit. Uh, we don't know it at the time, but she's been married to Mark Kincaid. <laughs> uh, most, I think she she would most likely be married at this point. I don't. She definitely doesn't have kids, though. That's not till yeah. five. That's not yeah. till five. Uh, but still, so she's been living her life because there is more to Sydney Prescott than being attacked by Ghostface. That was three, three weekends throughout the course of her life essentially no literally uh, literally three yeah 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 so there's sydney prescott has a whole ass life going on outside of this being of being a victim and uh so this this is clever because this is now evidence uh that material evidence uh found in sydney's possession so that pretty much makes it so she can't leave and you know they say that later that she's she could be a material witness because they found evidence linking her to the crime scene and also it's a good way to just 
get the ball rolling. It shows that it's it's happening, baby. And also there was a very nice moment where we saw that the town had all these giant ghost face masks put over the like street lamps. Mm-hmm. And it show it just kind of shows that the town embraces the fact that they're known for something. And honestly, to- and I'll talk about this more when we get to the Sabbath Sabathon scene. I totally get it. If my hometown had like a whole ass horror movie like this known after it, uh, Like my, for example, my hometown is one town over from the place where a Christmas story start is, uh, takes place so uh-huh. every fucking year and and you know there's a line in the movie about being from my hometown or something and every fucking year there's all these christmas story exhibits that pop up and they show like you know behind the scenes and like shit from like all these knickknacks in the movie personally not into christmas story or christmas in general so i do not live for it but it was like a, a yearly christmas tradition like get the family let's go to the christmas story place uh the indiana welcome center so uh point is if your hometown is known for like a big movie like this and in in universe in the scream universe the stab movies are i totally understand the town absolutely going bonkers for it oh yeah i mean you know why like what else can you really do i mean as long as they're like being respectful to like the victims and stuff you know right and at this point sydney's sydney's long gone they don't they don't care about sydney they're not they're they're this town is more into the fictionalized movie version of it all rather than the actual story that happened so when you know like i'm sure the woodsboro high kids are like flexing uh to their friends and shit they're like oh you go to woodsboro high isn't that like you know where all that ghost face shit happened (laughs) Like, yeah, man, I, I saw a ghost face in the bathroom or like, just like, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, exactly. You know. But but yeah, then we meet the the new batch of children here. It's uh, we've got Kirby played ex- excellently and expertly by Hayden Panettiere. We've got Jill Roberts played by Emma Roberts. And we have Olivia Morrison played by someone for sure. Definitely a woman. So sorry. Uh, to... So sorry. Wish I could think of it off the top of my head. Uh, and then we also have, so that's, it's this trio of gal pals. And then we have Robbie Mercer played by the guy from Saw 2. Yes. I have it pulled up. Um, oh, beautiful. His name is Eric Nudson. That part. Um, and um, Olivia is played by Marielle Jaffe. Okay. Jeff. Yes, credit credit where credit is due to these yes. to these scream icons. Uh and then we have Charlie Does he have a last name? It's got to be said at some point. Um it is Charlie Walker. Walker. I was going to say I feel like Oh yeah, duh, they say it a lot actually. I was like it starts with a W, I think. Uh so we got Charlie Walker played by Rory Culkin and he it shows. That uh, the second that motherfucker is on screen you're like that's a Culkin. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> It's they're all exactly the same. It's terrifying. It's insane. It's like the scars guards. I could not tell those bitches apart. I'm sorry. I, every time I hear ones in a movie and I'm like, oh, which one? There's like four of them. I don't is, know. That, is that Pennywise or is that um, the other one? Yeah, this exactly. So, um, uh, yeah, so we that's that's kind of the new the new kids in town. And, and right away, they're kind of showing parallels. Jill is kind of like because remember, this is this is like a reboot. This is like a remake. 
right. Jill is kind of like the new Sydney. Kirby, in a way, is kind of like the new Tatum. Uh, Charlie and Robbie both kind of fit the Randy role, but they mm-hmm. also, in a way, kind of give Billy Stew vibes because Billy, you know, Charlie's a little bit more reserved. He's got a weird looking face. And unfortunately, that is no fault to him other than just his genetics. <laughs> and uh, so he gives those like, Billy vibes and then Robbie on the other hand kind of get he's a little bit goofier he's like a little I don't want to say effeminate but like campy in a way that's you know like he like he's he does very uh uh over over the top things and like line deliveries so he kind of gives that goofier stew vibe and you know mm-hmm. Olivia's there uh for sure <laughs> a little bit but so so right away we're already getting these parallels back to the first movie and we're seeing like the new round of kids and oh and uh, uh, trevor yes trevor trevor is also there and he's kind of this mysterious figure because he's jill's ex-boyfriend who broke up with her uh or she broke up with because he cheated on her yes he's also very billy-esque he is very billy-esque and and very purposeful yes they they really draw that attention and um he similarly to how like you know casey had dated Stu, that trevor most likely cheated on jill with jenny because when jenny answers the phone in the opening scene and it's it's ghostface and you know she still thinks it's like a joke and she's like uh marnie and ghostface is like this isn't marnie and then she's like well who is this and ghostface is like who do you think it is and she's like is this trevor (laughs) And so mm-hmm. for her to say that, that's like, oh, why would you assume? Oh, that? yeah. Why would you assume it's Trevor calling you like that? Miss mm-hmm. mm-hmm. thing. So that's that's just one of those like little things that you don't quite put together at first. But then as the uh, maybe on rewatches or as the film goes on, you're like, oh, wait, just another parallel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is this is our new group and you know we get some similar scene there was a fountain scene that's very similar to the original it got deleted which if i'm honest i i it either needed to be we're better off or that, we're better it's not even that it was bad dialogue it was almost like a, it, it was making the killer and everything a little it was spelling things out a little too much it, so it needed some mm-hmm. tweaking like for example in in that scene charlie someone says wait but this isn't a movie and charlie says mm, but it will be which is something that ghostface says later and i i think that mm-hmm. i mean maybe it's because i've seen the movie a hundred thousand million times but that that's a little like obvious little uh, if you because yeah. because especially like nowadays when you're like wait Someone said that earlier. So and in in the TV show, that's actually how one of the killers gets revealed at one point in season two. It's because of something like that. They're like, wait, the killer said this earlier and you just said this. So point is, we didn't need the fountain scene, but we do get a lot. You know, they're in the car. They're talking about how they got phone calls from Ghostface, from Jenny and Marnie, who are dead. And we'll find that out very soon. Uh, You know, we see him in class, similar to how we saw Sydney in class, except uh, everybody is getting their phone alerts that uh jenny is dead whether it be like you know twitter or whatever um that jenny and marnie were killed last night and if you notice while everybody's vibrating and taking out their phones jill just jill just be sitting there jill doesn't flinch she's probably in her head she's just like it's happening no (laughs) i like okay i just have so much to say about her performance at the beginning of this movie because a let us dish it's so funny to watch her because like you said she is 
she's acting so nonchalant. Like if you know, like I feel like there's like layers on layers because I I only watch her in the group scenes. Like my eyes just automatically go to her. Same, especially be, like knowing so that good. she's the killer because I'm like I'm like scrutinizing. I'm like she's like acting because she, she acting? has to act. Yeah, because she has to act not suspicious and right. girl, she's so good. She's so good. But it's but like when you think about it though like things like that like yeah why is she not yeah she she has she has these like almost little slips that you don't know are slips until you know she's the killer and because you know just not whipping out your phone when everybody else is isn't necessarily suspicious but when you're watching this as a movie and you're seeing a classroom full of children do it and then she's the one individual child who doesn't uh it's like hmm interesting and uh yeah so and then bitch ass fucking robbie over here like literally a somebody i think olivia shouts out loud to the entirety of the class jenny randall and marnie cooper were killed last night and bitch ass robbie who has been established to wear this like headset that live streams his whole life which right holy shit that is some bandwidth for 2011 but no it doesn't matter uh but yeah that's ahead of its time so ahead of its uh, time. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's why, and I think that's why a lot of pe- this movie does have kind of a bad rep because at the time, this I, this is so outlandish. For 2011, you're like wearing, seeing this dude with a headset camera and you're like, you're watching this, you're like, girl, no one is doing this. Like, people are not walking around with cameras on their faces all day. That's not a thing. But now yeah. when you watch it and we have like TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, you know, all that stuff. And it, it's just, you know, it's it's our phones. So you watch this at the time and it's like, this is outlandish. But it, it would obviously go on to age very well. And even at the time, it's the idea is an outlandish that they're, it's a kid who literally puts his entire life on on the Internet. And this is just an exaggerated form of it. But, you know, at the time. Instagram and Twitter and and Snapchat and all that weren't like they were today. So this was kind of a good method to to demonstrate that because, uh, you know, I I think it's not as silly and illogical as the uh, voice changer from three, which I also have no issue about. We talk about it plenty in the screen uh, in the Scream three episode. But still, it's one of those technology things that you kind of have to suspend your disbelief. And at the end of the day, like we've said a million times, these movies are fiction. You know, they even though they're very, 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 very grounded in reality, there's some things in this universe that just don't quite work like they do in real life, like the voice changer, like the bulletproof vest. But at the end of the day, if they did work like they did in real life, they couldn't tell the story they wanted to. So I have no issues with them bending the rules a tad of reality to fit the narrative better, because when at the end of the day, the alternatives aren't that interesting. Right. And I feel like it also kind of sets him up as a a red herring um you know because he is filming everything and it's kind of like why yeah Um, yeah and i don't feel like they're doing that much to make the character like with his dialogue or anything seem like such a red herring but it it's just like kind of subtle and if you're like really thinking about it i think that it can add some suspicion yeah Um, yeah definitely especially because most likely when you're watching these movies you know you know, these are whodunits. Everybody's everybody's a suspect. <laughs> exactly. And one um, more thing I wanted to say about Emma. Yeah. Well, or I guess just about Jill. I really like how the very first things we're seeing about her are her like she's having boyfriend issues. She got cheated on. Like we are immediately sympathizing with her. And it is really setting her up as like the final girl that we can trust. The new city. Yes, definitely. Um, it's like, like right away. So much time taken 
and there's more later there's a scene with her and sydney later too that just like does it takes it's time establishing her as this like very like lovable sympathetic girl yeah who's... like we're you're we're rooting for her. like we we're rooting for her to like beat ghostface down at the end and, and be exactly. the victor and then have this little like sydney and and also at this point too you know the entire trio is back are they gonna kill one of them People don't know at the time, you know, on first watching at the time. So at this time, you're maybe I'm sure people were thinking, I mean, my 12 year old brain probably wasn't, but I'm sure people were thinking, oh, if this is the new Sydney, are they are they going to like kill Sydney and then this girl's going to replace her? And then, you know, same thing with uh, Gail, because Sydney's publicist played by uh, Rebecca, played by uh, Alison Brie, who we haven't mentioned yet, but is definitely a character in this movie. Uh you know, she's kind of like the new Gale because she's yes. this really over the top, bitchy, competitive, uh, uh, moralist uh, journalist who publicist who's who will do anything to, you know, get to the top. And uh, so so they're kind of setting it up like we have this new cast. So people don't know if any of these trio members are going to get killed. Maybe maybe they'll kill. Maybe they'll kill them all. We don't know. Um, obviously, that doesn't happen, too. but. To, to take like we also get judy for like another police officer like they're literally yes yes setting it all up and, and it, it, it they're setting it all up so well and and there's always a personal connection there too because you know uh rebecca isn't just this new random journalist that we're like okay who the fuck is this bitch she's sydney's right. publicist so there's a little bit of a connection there judy is like in love with Dewey and would love <laughs> if Gail just dropped off the face of the earth so she could swoop in there. Uh, right. So, you know, she's baking them lemon squares. She's making obvious passes at him and everything. So Judy, Judy trying to strike on this man. Okay. Uh, and, oh, and we don't public, know it at the time in public, like in public at a crime scene. Like, no and, uh, yeah. And we don't know it at the time, but she also has a little baby at home. Wes, yes. Yes. <laughs> who we'll, we'll see at five. Uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, there's, they're setting up these new roles very well. And obviously Jill is Sydney's cousin. So she's not just some random ass chick. She's, she has a relation. She has a stake in the ghost face universe. Uh, so all these people, like they're setting up these connections in this, this torch pass, if you will, very well. Uh, but yeah, we, we just get some more development here in the narrative case of the story. The, the three gal pals are uh, brought into the police station for questioning because they got phone calls. And, um, you know, we get some funny dialogue from Kirby because she didn't get a phone call. And she's like, oh, my God, does that mean I'm going to be next? <laughs> does that mean I'm not going to live as long as these two? And, uh, you know, Dewey's there because he's the sheriff questioning them. And Sydney's there because she's Jill's cousin. And, you know, she also is in a, you know, her evidence was in the car. And then Gail shows up because she's like, I went in on this, you know. I mean, totally makes sense for Gail because she's 10 years of living in small town Woodsboro with Dewey. And she's finally oh my like is 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 kind of shitty it is as it is that it's another murder spree and people are dying this is an opportunity not just for gail to write but she also you know she's changed she has a heart she wants to like she says and to dewey she helps solve these things three times which i i just love that line both for gail narratively and just i'm a huge like lover of continuity and canonical acknowledgement that the previous movies came before they're not this movie is not trying to say that like scream 3 didn't happen it's not trying to say that like scream 2 didn't happen no gail was there they acknowledge that this is the fourth 
like killing spree to happen to them. So I, I just I love that line because it, you know, does those hits all those validates for me. The validates movies before it. Yes, validates. So, you know, we're we're getting some good scenes with our old trio and our and our new peeps that we don't know uh and we're sort of learning more about them and then uh i think next up is the scene you were talking about with uh sydney you know we we see her talking to dewey and gotta say the scene where she's talking to dewey on the couch and they're having like an intimate moment it's very cute but then it does this very weird thing where it like lingers on them staring at each other and then (laughs) awkwardly looking away it kind of gives romance vibes and it's really weird and i don't know why it's in the movie (laughs) Yeah, no, I I noticed that too. Um, I yeah, I, I I'm really not sure what that was about. Yeah, it 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 was odd. Uh, but then you know we see Sydney in the kitchen, uh, with Jill and Jill's mom. Also, Kirby's there because you know they're besties. And uh, Jill's mom, Kate, is Maureen's sister. You know she says that. So you know she's she's got like that personal connection we're kind of getting more insight into sydney's family because even i mean obviously jill we don't find out till later is quite jealous of you know being related to sydney and her fame as as she has it and mm-hmm. even kate shows a little bit of that because kate who is you know sydney's aunt uh yeah. is um uh like I'm trying to think of the line exactly. Like, like nobody ever asks me about my trauma or something. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Because Kirby's like, you know, Sydney's in the room, and Kirby's like, "Oh my god, I bet she has scars everywhere." Yeah, yeah. And that's when Kate is like, "Nobody ever asked me about my scars." You know, like that's what it is. My sister, yeah. and which, like, you know, just shows that like there's there's a little bit of envy from this side of the family because it's like, you know, nobody ever asked me how I feel. Like, I, I, my sister died. My, yeah. you know, my sister was murdered. And the- like, I, I hate that. Well, okay. I hate a few things. One, I hate that this wasn't Lauren Graham because I love her so much from, she's from Gilmore Girls. Okay. And Parenthood, she was originally supposed to play this part. Oh, I did and not know that. Yes. She was cast first and then she dropped out. I think it's because, I don't know if it's because they cut the part like way down and she was like, I'm not like, I'm a very famous woman. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I don't like know. She signed on for something better or whatever. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but I feel like she could have been so good, but only if they had like kept Kate's scenes in, because I know that there was a lot cut. But there she was, could have there was, really yeah. Good red herring too. Like that's a yeah. dynamic that hasn't been explored in this franchise yet. Could you like, imagine if sisters. it was revealed to be a mother daughter duo? Ghostface? Oh my god, that would have been insane. <sighs> what could have been? Maybe. Really Who knows? Christine. What could have been? Christina. Where you yeah. at, Christine? Right? Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's just this movie has some pretty good character development, which is funny because right at the beginning, you know, uh, Sherry is ca- talking about how she hates software because there's no character development. You don't care who dies. Where in this movie, I could tell you something pretty decent about everybody here. You know, Jill, you know, we see, uh, as we talked about, you know, she's having boyfriend trouble, uh, complicated relationship with her mom and her and the, her extended family. Kirby is a horror movie, Randy-esque stand-in kind of uh, fan. She's a good friend to Jill. And, you know, she, she her, what's shown about Kirby is more in the way she carries herself and the way she like dresses and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, we you, you kind of get a sense for who Kirby 
Kubi Kirby is just by looking at her and watching her interact. And then, you know, Olivia, we don't know too much about, but to be fair, she's the first one to die, but she is a fan of horror movies. Uh, I would say, because, you know, there's a line later where stab seven was her favorite. And then, uh, you know, she even says like in the car, when she's talking about Sydney, she's like, wherever she went, people died. It was never her stabs the wrong franchise for her. It should be final destination. So, you mm. know, it clearly shows that she at least knows girl. a little bit. Yeah, we love a horror girly. Uh, so, and, and even Jill lo- really likes horror movies. And it, the movie doesn't really focus on that, probably because it would have made her look suspicious. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we see posters in her room uh, of all these different horror movies. They're watching Shaun of the Dead as opposed to literally anything else. And uh, later when Charlie's on the, you know, Kirby's on the phone and it's obviously Jill because Charlie's tied up there. She's asking her all these all these horror movie questions and fakes her out with the whole like uh, first movie to ever put the killer, uh, the audience in the killer's POV. Like, right. uh, so, you know, she's really she's quite a horror fan and it it just doesn't show as much as it does with Kirby or maybe Olivia, if you want to argue for her. But um yeah, and then we get one scene with Trevor coming into Jill's window, very Billy esque, you know, setting yes. him up as that Billy parallel and that suspicious vibe. And uh, I would say, you know, that's it. We get some really good character development all across the board before the ghost face of it all really starts happening. The killing spree, right. as it. I, as the it one happens. thing that I would say is that I don't ever really buy Trevor as a Billy type. Like t- I don't ever, I don't see him being the killer. Like I feel like when I watched it, I wasn't like. Yeah, it's him. I agree. And I I, I I think it's because, and I definitely would not have known this at the time. And I definitely think it's because it he's played by Nico Tortorella. Okay. Fucking yay icon, non binary, amazing yes. person. You know, we love we love to see them out in the yes. world. And obviously, you know, that's kind of a more recent thing. So you didn't really right. know that at the time, but I just it's sometimes the gays can't play straight and it comes off a little odd and i think that's why yeah it's giving (laughs) i love basically basically, i love nico so much but yeah it's i'm you know i'm watching this movie and i'm like girl (laughs) and like it's nothing against nico like the line delivery not at all and it's just the persona of nico 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 Nika? Yeah, Nika. Nika is from Nico Sorry. I just mm-hmm. had like I just short circuited. Um, nothing okay. against Nico or the acting or anything. It's just the the vibe that Nico gives off is not um it's not Billy. It's you know, it's not Yeah, it's a, a it's, if anything boyfriend. Charlie. Yeah, if anything Charlie gives more Billy vibes because he's just exactly. a like Nico just ha- Trevor just has this a little like yeah, Trevor's Trevor's more like like you can tell he's a nice guy playing it up, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not like even a bad acting Bill thing. It's just kind of who he is. It's not yeah. even a, it's not a bad thing. Um, but yeah, just, that's probably why. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, we get, <laughs> we get, a scene. yeah, we get uh, a, a, that a really fun, creepy ass scene with Judy where, you know, she's just looming in the shadows of the yes. house. This is talking to Sydney about how we used to go to high school together. It's <laughs> I if like, yeah, that I love that's all fun and games. But what really gags me about this scene, it just gets me every time is that she's like going down the stairs <laughs> and then Sydney like says something about like, oh, do we know each other? And she like 
like <laughs> it's almost like the scene was played in reverse because she just like rounds the stairs back like in this really funny way yes, yes. <laughs> It's that's what I'm saying. Scream 4 is so funny. Like, there are so many moments like this. Like, Marley Shelton is a comedic yes, genius. She She's is. So oh funny. my God. She so is. Uh, uh, Hicks, Judy. Judy is such a funny character in this movie. And yeah, this scene, you know, it's. I can understand the argument that it's maybe a little too like, okay, they're just obviously trying to make her look like a red herring. Like I, right. it, yeah, that's what it is. Like we can't, it's you know, so fan, like her emerging from funny. the shadows is so like, it's so good. It's, it's so good. It's a, it's a little campy. And like I said, just the physicality of her is, is funny. And Judy just kind of has this like awkward, like, like, she almost Judy strikes me as the kind of person in high school who like sat in the back corner and like maybe not creepy but like always had this weird look and then every so often she would just blurt out something rambunctious like like yeah. the teacher would be talking and she'd be like <laughs> I have a cat at home named Snuggles sometimes we <laughs> like to lick each other's paws before bedtime like something <laughs> just absolutely off the wall like that literally um, so yeah, yeah, Judy Judy's funny and she's she's <laughs> she's quirky. She's a quirky queen to say the least. Um uh but yeah, so what happens next is we meet I think this is the first time other than just like in passing really. Uh we meet the two cop characters uh mm-hmm. played by Adam Brody and Anthony per- uh Anthony Anderson. Uh the cops names are Perkins and Haas and yeah. Adam Brody I don't mind too much. Uh, I think he plays. Yeah, he's Hoss. So yeah, he you know, I mean, these are just random cops. They don't really have that much to do. And and the fact that they get as much screen time as they do is is nice. But um, I will say, though, Officer Perkins, my least favorite character in the entire Scream franchise. I hate. Oh, my God. Officer Perkins. Wow. I, I am so angry that he Nicki Minaj at Heidi uh, in closet for her hair. I hate, hate, hate. <laughs> the officer perkins <laughs> because wow. i just i it's not even an anthony anderson thing i just hate that he's too comedic it like takes me out i hate Very the bruce thick. willis line like with a passion yeah, like yeah uh i just i hate that he makes an inappropriate comment about a high school girl i just i hate this character <laughs> I guess I just have never, I, I feel like I'm just always paying attention to Adam Brody because I've been crushing on him for so much of my life. Which is so valid. I, and it's not a big deal notice. because ultimately these characters aren't that important. But I'm no. just like, fuck, why is this guy on screen? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. I mean, yeah, they really are like kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme. But they do get yeah. more screen time, I feel like, than really any other cops in these movies besides, of course, like Dewey and um, maybe Kincaid. Yeah, because even like Officer uh, Andrews and Richards from Two, uh, mm-hmm. they didn't even really like. They never had a scene where it was just them. Anytime they were on screen, it was with Sydney, and they just had quick passing lines. Whereas uh, Haas and Perkins, we get uh, basically two different scenes where they're just alone in their car, you it's know, like kind fucking of fucking around. Like I'm like, is yeah. this a joke, y'all? Like it, it is kind of. They are being really like silly. Yeah, like, they're really not really good. taking it seriously. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, you know, they're just sitting outside of a, their one sole job is to sit in their car outside of outside of a two girls house, essentially. Luckily, they're neighbors and right. uh, make sure that a killer doesn't appear to murder them. Right. So it's like they're probably going to get bored. But at the same time, you know, be on high alert. So, uh, you know, I don't hate their dynamic or anything. I just 
Perkins is too goofy for me. <laughs> he is very goofy. Um, but okay, so the the ball really gets rolling here in in the killing spree because now we've got Jill and Kirby upstairs in the room watching Shaun of the Dead. They're hanging out. It's a it's a chill night, and Olivia's next door because you know they're neighbors. And Olivia doesn't want to come over because she she kind of has this weird like fear of Sydney because being close to Sydney means you die, which like it isn't necessarily unfair. That is kind of what happened. And it's uh, Angel it of death. Three? You know? Yeah. Angel of death. And is I think it's three where they even say that, like it's always everyone. you, Yeah. Everything you love, everyone you touch dies, Sid or whatever. So yeah. So like that, that kind of beat has been hit before. So she doesn't want to come over. She's like, you know what? Next door is good enough. I'm a chill at home and we can talk on the phone and look out the window, see each other. It's cute. Uh, which honestly cute dynamic. I live. Well, I liked uh, it. I liked it. I'm like, that's cute. They, they besties. Uh, uh, so then Kirby gets a phone call. Uh, we see it ring on her very iOS 6 iPhone 3GS <laughs> slide to unlock. Uh, yes. <laughs> gets a call from Ghostface. And uh, he's being really quiet because, you know, she's like, I can barely fucking hear you. And also, this is probably what Scream 4 is so funny. I love this, especially like Roger L. Jackson. Shout out because she he's on the phone. Uh, Kirby's on the phone and she's like, is this Trevor? Like, they always think it's fucking Trevor. And, uh, you know, she's like, he's trying to do ghost face. And like. She's like, I think it's Trevor. I can, I can barely hear you, Trevor. And then, you know, Jill's like, who is it? And she's like, uh, Trevor's being weird. I mean, if it is him. And Ghostface just goes, this is not fucking Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So funny. And, and it's like, obviously so Charlie. So I can just, I'm so imagining Charlie in Olivia's closet, like as quietly as, quietly as he can, just being like, this is not fucking Trevor. Right. The exasperation. <laughs> Love, 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 love it so much. Uh, but yeah, it's a very suspenseful scene. It's not a chase scene like, you know, we know and love from Scream, but it is a pretty suspenseful Scream-esque scene where Ghostface is like, I'm standing in the closet. And Kirby, also another hilarious line delivery, just goes, stop, you are not. <laughs> <laughs> very 2023 way to deliver that line, <laughs> <laughs> and literally stop yeah she literally stop you are not <laughs> and so she she's like going closer to the closet door real slowly about to bust it open and eventually she does and she pulls the door door open real fast and it's kind of like a jump scare jill flinches a little bit because she doesn't know what to expect uh well you know she knows what to expect but right she's acting honey <laughs> right uh and uh She's on the phone. Jill is on the phone with Olivia and Kirby's on the phone with the killer. So lots of phone calls happening. Basically, all, all of the women here are in on it are, are yes. in the same situation. And I, I and love that, too, that it's like the. the yes, it's a good dynamic like where it's like, yeah, they really haven't all on the phone with each other. Like, it's just a, like something it's, different. You know? Yeah, and it's kind of reminiscent of like the '90s three-way phone calls with the exactly. girls. You know, exactly. we see it in a lot of movies, and it was very real at the time having three-way calls with your friends. It's it's almost like that, but in a modern way. Exactly. Uh, you know, two of yeah, it's it's really cool, and it's it it's it's an organic thing. It's one of those things that makes this movie kind of unique, you know. And I I know I I like that a lot for sure. And uh, but then after. You know, she pulls the closet door open. She's like, you're not in this closet. Fucking I'm over this. Uh, Ghostface is like, I never said I was in your closet. And then 
burst oh, out of Olivia's closet across the street. Jill and Kirby watch in in horror as it happens before their eyes. And it, it, it is brutal. Ghostface stabs the shit out of her. Like she fights back a little bit, but it's it's to no avail. Because and, and Sydney, who's it, you know, staying with her extended family here, uh, is in the house. Goes upstairs into the room, sees what's happening from the window, and kind of takes a second because she's. I mean, I'm sure Sydney is standing there watching this girl get murdered by someone in a Ghostface costume across the street, like. Oh my God. Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? Like, this is really happening again. Like this is really fucking happening again. But then oh, after terrible. she gets over that initial, like, fuck man, she's like, Oh, I should probably go do something. So she just runs across the street. Yeah. She tries to get uh, the cops attention who are outside, but they're not in the car. So she immediately runs to the door. Front door's locked. She breaks, breaks it open, gets in there. But unfortunately she is a little too late because by the time she gets to the bedroom, Olivia is on the bed, her insides on the outside. Truly. And like this scene is one of the most disturbing out of any uh, in the franchise. I think just like, it really is like, and for blood. what? Because the other kills in this movie are not, do not go that hard. So it's no. like, damn, they really it's like, it and, looks like the like nightmare on Elm street, like w- with the blood, yes, just like literally yes. exploding. That's what, and especially West West is like known for being the director. Who's like more blood, more blood. So yeah, it's like, and, and, if anything, this feels like the true opening kill. Like this is the opening to Scream Four right here, not Marnie and Jenny. Like this right. is the one that really gets the ball rolling. I, I think if Marnie and Jenny weren't there, I think this movie, you know, could with a little bit of tweaking, could have worked with that as the opening kill. I think the only reason, the only downside to that is that if if it were the opening kill, we wouldn't get as much development as we've had so far. Right. But still, you know, it's fine. Uh, like it's then, fine where it is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have a Sydney has a little itty bitty interaction with a, a ghost face here. Uh, because you know, he pops out, slices Jill's arm. The uh, the that's the telltale, that's the telltale. It happened in two with shit. Derek, it happened in three, uh, it happened in four with Jill, it happens in five. It's, mm-hmm. it's gotta watch if you get sliced on the arm, sis. I am not trusting you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they uh, and I remember, I, I always remember the scene because. Like I said, my mom took me to see this in theaters who does not like give a shit about horror movies, let alone like scream. And mm-hmm. she I remember after the movie was over and we were like driving home, we were talking about it in the car. And my mom said something about this part being like kind of silly because Sydney kicks Ghostface and he goes like flying. No, I love it. Oh, no, I, I love it, too. I think it's it. dope. But I remember my mom being like, I thought that was a little silly. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't she kicked that bitch in the fucking face. She did. She's like, get fucked like, And I love that. Like, she, you know, she's obviously been like taking like self-defense classes. Yeah. And yeah. Prepared this time around. She goes into the house. She's not running this time. She goes, she's she's like, let's go, bitch. You yeah. Know? She's she's not love taking it. a shit. And another thing, too, uh, I don't this seems like a good time to bring it up because I'm not sure when else. Sydney doesn't have a phone in this movie, pretty much. She does not have a cell phone. It doesn't seem like it she does because anytime huh? she's on the phone with the killer, it's somebody else's phone. Like, for example, right here, Sydney, the killer calls Sydney, and uh it's like Olivia's phone who's who's laying next to her. And then right. later she's like on the landline, and uh, you know, Zach Cherry pointed out in one of his videos that it's probably a narrative choice that like Sydney's just so sick of ghostface calls that she just doesn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I, I have never noticed there. that. But like, 
she's like honestly fucking message me on facebook and i'll get back to you once i'm sitting at my desktop like I yeah don't like know. her publicist oh. handles all her calls and she that, said yeah. that. she's like i'm handling all of miss prescott's calls and appearances Great so point. yeah like she that's interesting we never yeah there's never a point where sydney has her own and then even like later when she's like let me i need to borrow your cell so i can call dewey or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. uh so she doesn't have a phone oh. um mm -hmm. so that's uh cool. yeah pretty cool little detail that's just kind of you know there uh and also ghostface is really funny toward i think ghostface is the is the funniest in this one with the this is not fucking trevor and then even right here he's like uh what is he uh he's like get, she's uh sydney's like you got the balls for, come for me I, you got the balls for that and ghostface is like i'm gonna slit your eyelids in half so you don't <laughs> blink when i stab you in the face oh <laughs> so good it's like funny himself, Charlie, but also darkest yeah. yeah 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 and even sydney like on the phone she's like oh like i'm not even like obviously <laughs> like she's just like why really like <laughs> um but yes ghost ghostface is great in in this one uh like the voice um and then we so gail okay so gail's whole thing throughout this movie with dewey is that they're in a they're not doing so well because dewey is kind of being a dick to her you know like he's yeah, he's, he's a treating her baby like she's the media De dewey is a big man child but here especially because you know and we get how gail can seem a little like always from the start you know that's her thing someone dies and gail comes running it's it's always been the moment but still like she has this drive and you know they're married like you if there's one you know that's her whole thing like you and me we did this together like this is what we do. We're good at this. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. she she knows she can do it and she can get to the bottom of this. And uh and, and they even have this problem in three because she's directly working with Kincaid and Dewey doesn't take her seriously. And she's like, I am literally working with the police. Literally. Like, I did not come here for you. I just got here and your ass was here. And yeah. so now they're married and they're still having these disputes. And so Dewey is really just shoving her aside the entire movie and just being like, like not taking her seriously and, and it really it kind of sucks to see uh this is probably my least favorite dewey honestly of the yeah, franchise it's it's definitely mine like i mm -hmm. he just he's on my nerves i'm like bro you just need to like embrace like i i understand that he's like you know he's the sheriff and she's media and like maybe there's like a weird line or that he's concerned about like i don't really know but like she has helped solve everything and she is you know, don't you want someone to be like actively helping like someone like her who has resources and connections and, you know, yeah. And, and honestly, a lot of the times, figure it out. And a lot of the times here, she's kind of on the right track. Like, you know, she's the one yeah. who thinks to go to the Stabathon and put exactly. these cameras up and, like, and Dewey's she's the one, she's the one who reaches out to these kids because she's like, okay, she's the one who thinks like, okay, it's, it's, it's clearly like, you know, they're doing it over the movies. So we got to find the movie. It's a movie fan. We got to find, yes. figure out who all these fucking kids are at school. And, you know, so she's, she's taking that initiative. She's doing her investigative work that she knows how to do. So it's it, in a, in a perfect universe, there's a great world where Dewey and Gail are just this awesome power crime solving duo, basically. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she, she, uh, meets up with Charlie and Robbie and she's like let's do <laughs> almost kind of seduces him a little bit into helping her and giving her the insight and they love that schedule scene. uh schedule her and Sydney as a guest appearance at their little the little cinema club <laughs> it's cinema club right um so, so yeah that's you know that's a cute dynamic and everything and uh 
Gail agrees to it because, well, they agree to it because they really just want Sydney. They're like, eh, okay, cool that you're here. Um, and then Sydney fires Rebecca because she's, she'd be mouthing off girl. Like she's, this is, this is where we see how truly heartless she is because, you know, she, her whole thing is like, oh my God, people are dying. We are getting paid. <laughs> this is great. Sydney, this is, is amazing. Which like Rebecca is wow. so good at her job. Like, so you, know, yeah. you will about her personally, but like Sydney, honey, you're going to be making money if you keep Rebecca on your team. Yeah, and there's definitely a, cur- uh, a, a commentary there about soulless journalism, you know, like how she's profiting off murder and exactly. she's, she's excited about it. And <laughs> Sydney, on the other hand, Sydney don't give a fuck. Sydney is like literally everything I've worked for was to get away from this. Right. And so she fires Rebecca. Rebecca gets pissed about it and goes to leave the hospital, which is where Sydney was because she was getting examined from the attack. And uh, in the parking garage, she receives a phone call. And it is from Ghosty Boy. Uh, Ghost, no, you're fine. Uh, Yeah, you're good. Uh, Ghostface calls her. And uh, some more really funny Ghostface dialogue. Uh, Doesn't sound like you're in the hospital, Rebecca. Sounds like you're in a parking garage. But if you'd like to be in the hospital, I'd be happy to put you there. In the morgue. In the morgue. <laughs> so good. Oh love my god. And like, I just I love Allison Bree's acting too. Like, she's just yeah, so she's good. Perfect for this. Yeah, yeah. She's she really does sell it. I I think for sure. And you know, it, it's kind of a cool chase scene where she's you know running up and down through her car. Ghostface had already uh, preemptively cut the brake line or whatever or the the whatever wires make the car start. I don't know. I don't know cars. Uh, but I buy that it makes it not work. So she <laughs> sounds right. <laughs> oh, and also another funny ass line delivery is when she gets in the car, Ghostface calls her again, and her she like picks up the phone, which was like on the seat, goes no, and then like hangs up and throws it down. <laughs> and it's just so funny. I was just like, no. <laughs> oh, like it's great. All the all the little nuances always get me. Um, it's and it's like. You know, once again, just me saying this movie is, you know, fun and funny, but it's like it's scary because to me, parking lots are like extremely scary, um, especially dark ones at night. I had a fear of, or not parking. Well, yes, parking lots, but also like parking garages. Um, so it's, you know, inherently scary. But then you have the comedic dialogue, which is also kind of scary, but still funny. And then you have Alice and Brie just selling this amazing performance that is like a little bit of camp, but a little bit of horror as well. And it just like coalesces into this great scene. You know, it's not the most remarkable scream kill of all time, but it's very memorable and it fits the tone of this movie perfectly, in my opinion. I 100% agree because yeah, parking, definitely dark parking garages, especially at night uh, in parking lots there. It, it's like that liminal space kind of vibe, right? Like you're, it, it's just inherently freaky. And whether it be for movies from just the being outside and so vulnerable in the middle of an open space like that, uh, you know, it's almost like this primitive biological, like lizard brain reaction we have of like, oh my God, I'm just exposed in the middle of this 
big empty right. lot like i could be attacked at any moment you know so uh totally agree with you there and then like you said alison brie is selling and it, it is a little camp but it's also in line with who she is as a character so I, it's exactly. not like over the top or anything and they already and, established her as that character so now she can do stuff like this and it works yeah 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 like it's 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 campy i don't think i would say it's silly which is it works and that's why it works right. Right. uh and then you know she Goes to open the door knob, but uh, I guess Ghostface had either tampered with it or Ghostface just got insanely lucky in the fact that it was rusty and broke off uh, because she couldn't get the door open. So Ghostface stabs her and she dies, does this little slide down the wall, similar to Trudy. Yeah, Yeah, they Uh, they are. And then outside of the hospital is a huge press conference that Dewey is giving and totally bullshitting. He's like, we believe we have we are pursuing multiple leads and we've got it under control. And Gail's, you know, front of the circle, like any comment that this is basically a redo of the original murders. It's basically Wes being like, it's a reboot. (laughs) And Dewey shoves her aside again and is like, not now, hon and gail's like literally what the like i love gail's reaction she's like literally what the fuck like not uh, (laughs) marriage aside i asked the goddamn question (laughs) right like a relevant to the case question (laughs) it's just i like he was on my nerves at this point i'm just like do it do it was acting a fool i'll take over he really was like she she got this and like you know in a way i guess it's maybe like a good thing that he kind of dismisses her because I feel like that's what kind of pushes her to really just start investigating herself, which ultimately yeah, like, it's a, it, it is like right. a yeah, it's like a necessary evil because and and this is why I just relate to Gail so much because at the end of the day, she's gonna pursue her passion. That's how right. she stays happy and content in life. If she, she feels like her purpose and she this is her calling, and it's it you know it's not it isn't like art you know i mean in a way it's art but you know it isn't like a a a, a quote-unquote normal thing passion you know her passion is solving murders so like but not in a police way so you know like she she has this passion and she's she's gonna pursue it at the end of the day she does yeah investigating for investigating yeah like maybe if 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 gail didn't want the like fame aspect gail would probably make like a kick-ass pi Oh, definitely. The attention to detail with that girl is, yeah. Yeah, and like even in Scream 2, you know, she was the one who was like uh, Maureen Evans, Maureen Prescott, C.C. Cooper, Casey Casey Becker, you know? Like she she was making those connections. And regardless of whether or not that went anywhere, she's the one, you know, she's doing the work. She figured it out, okay? She figured it out. Uh, and so they go to Cinema Club for their little meeting, and this is where we kind of this would be this movie's rules equivalent rule scene, basically. You know, they're describing horror movie remakes, and they're like, "All right, well, you know, um, all bets are off, and you know, we gotta like the original, you gotta outdo the original." So you know, they're doing all this crazy shit, and basically establish this movie's rules, uh, very scream fashion. Yes, this is where it, it really feels like a remake to me because i don't know yeah. if it really feels like that much of a remake other than like certain parts where they're really trying to make it feel that way like trevor and jill in the bedroom and right, of course right Charlie and, uh uh fuck what's her name fucking uh hayden panettiere what kirby, kirby. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh yeah 
uh, like, you know, later in the movie. But I feel like this is like one of the times where it really feels like a, a remake. Yeah, and it, it's because this movie, like, really ahead of its time, it, it it's basically like a fake-out requel because you've got that old cast, but also we're trying to establish this new thing. But it, exactly. it, and it's basically it, – it comes out of the, the expense of, like, Scream is just that next-level cleverness because this movie wouldn't have worked without Sidney – Gale and Dewey. If this was just a whole new random ass piece, even even if even if all the storylines were the same, Jill was Sydney's cousin. Without Sydney actually being here, people would have been like, "That's bullshit. That's a cop out. Yeah, like whatever. What, this is, it's a bullshit run of the mill cash in <laughs> sequel." <laughs> so you know, like it it comes yeah. out of that that cleverness to make it work, make it matter. And mm-hmm. but and it, so it's it's like a remake. It's a reboot. It's a requel. It's a remake. A legacy. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. It's just amazing that's what before it's time once again again so ahead of its time and uh before we get to basically the finale we get one more pretty good development scene with sydney and uh jill yes uh is this the scene we're talking about where they're where jill is like i just i just can never handle that kind of attention exactly the line delivery of that line is so fucking funny it and it's like so, so funny. It's sad to it, watch. It's you know, Sydney, like, like she's like she's like leaning in, like so intimate with Jill, like trying to give her guidance on how to move on. And Jill is like playing it up so much. Oh my god, Jill is Jill is in a spotlight. She is her. She's already preparing her Oscar speech in her exactly. head. Like yep. she she eating in this scene and it's so funny because you don't know until after the movie right. and uh um so yeah we get we get some development there and you know she's, she's talking about all that it, it's just a good scene between the two uh but then we get to the stabathon love 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 this scene because it is so creative it is so on brand it's very like scream 2 opening meets rocky horror cult status exactly. vibes like and like i was talking about earlier i totally buy the town going nuts for this like this is so on this is the ultimate campfire ghost story uh because it, it it happened here they their town is known for these movies so every year on the anniversary they have a party where they show them all back to back totally buy it these movies are teen horror movies the town's teens go nuts totally on board for that i if yeah. this were my hometown not a doubt in my mind i would have been so into this yeah no same and it's another organic way to get everyone together um and like a group setting without being like oh we're having a house party yeah, 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 it's it's you do, like the kids say it's a you do a party to outdo the original, and exactly. and it it makes sense in universe. You've got that menace going on. It's a celebration of stab, aka a celebration of scream. That's what this movie is. It's it's oh. almost like a greatest hits sort of thing, and uh, it, it just it so totally makes sense that this is going on, and I love it. And you know, Gail figures out the location, however she does, and she follows the kids and finds it's at an abandoned farm which makes sense you know all these teenagers sneaking out having a party in the woods to go get drunk it's a small town totally makes sense uh on board if you it's just small town things if you're from a big city and don't get this i understand but i understand fully and especially the cinema nerds who are so into it because let's take the the meta-ness aside for a second here are these two i mean it's high school it's ruthless here are these two otherwise 
outcast kids and this is their moment man they host yeah, this makes Stabathon. Cool. the entire fucking high school population relies on them because yeah. this is their one moment to shine every year whether they're, they're the cool kids people love them and even though i'm sure like the next day they're probably getting like bullied to shit but the the Stabathon, last night though that was Stabathon, good. we set our differences aside baby clicks <laughs> clicks are out the window this is just teenagers vibing <laughs> of all this is this is amnesty day we get together and we celebrate that mask <laughs> oh, wow. and also like these are teenagers like next generation they don't know sydney they're like oh like i'm sure there's probably one girl who doesn't like horror movies at the high school who's like you know that girl actually lived here right and they're like damn that's crazy with these movies <laughs> <Yeah>. though <laughs> hope she's okay but have you yeah, seen like have yeah, like the these, these teenagers don't care about Sydney's well-being, so no. they don't know her. So, point in like, case to them, whenever... Sydney's a, a fictional character. Yeah, yeah. Whenever Kirby, like, it's earlier, but she's like, he's doing the voice from the movie, or I mean, your life, like, just so yeah. like to them, it's, it's so far removed. Right, right. Um, it just it can It's yeah, and it's it's we really see around Scream Four and definitely in Scream Five that. And we'll definitely see it in six that Ghostface has evolved past cinema. He's no longer right. just he's not contained within the the movie realms anymore. It's a real thing. And I really not to get into Scream Six speculation, but just for a quick minute, I really think in Scream Six we can see some toying with the Ghostface mask. Like, for example, in the trailer, they show a scene of Ghostface essentially robbing a bodega. I could see a scenario where that's just like not even a killer. Like that's just some random NYC person who decided yeah. to rob a fucking store yeah. and chose to wear the ghost face mask because it, I yeah. mean, even in real life, it, Google it. There's a picture on the internet of somebody who won the lottery and he wore a ghost face mask to the like public signing. So to conceal his identity, no one chosen any mask in the world chose a ghost face mask. Iconic. So yeah. So I, you know, like ghost face has transcended media and at this point this is where we really start to see him break out it's very like freddy new nightmare breaking out of the oh, the, the script so it's awesome it's awesome uh good on west good on west but oh. and even just in general the sabathon is awesome you know like they're they're shouting the lines at the screen they're all drinking having a good time and gail's up there in the barn sleuthing putting some yes. putting some remote cameras in there that she goes back to the car and investigates she has a, she has a pretty funny moment it's like a little egotistical but also very on brand for gail where she kind of goes back to the car and she like to a little voice recorder she's like i never dreamed i would once again play the critical role in solving another series of these <laughs> yes and like as as the ghost face is like covering up her little cameras and she's yeah. like into her which is good like she's feeling herself that's what we needed for her like yeah and this moment and at the end of the day when she like say she doesn't solve the ghost face martyrs boohoo but at the end of the day if she does which she does uh she does. like she gets to then be like yeah, I was there on the motherfucking scene, bitch. I knew the killer was going to be at this little party. I was the yeah. one who went in there, started doing the sleuthing, you know? Like, she is cool. on the scene. And uh, she eventually gets a run-in with Ghostface herself, and which is fun, you know, because Gail doesn't always get those as much as Sydney. And it ends with her getting stabbed uh, in the shoulder. And Dewey shows up just in time to kind of shoot some bullets. Miss, though. And uh, that scares, you know, Ghostface out. And of course, this Ghostface has to be Charlie uh, because Jill's at home or whatever, and or just now sneaking out and whatnot. 
Um, well, I was I was wondering that because oh, I was, that's one thing. Would people I, notice sorry, that go, go Charlie? Ahead, no, like I don't know. I I was trying to figure it out while I was watching it today. Like, would it would people know? I guess people wouldn't notice that Charlie was gone if there was like so many people there. But like, yeah, I guess Jill probably couldn't get there at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. I, I really, well, because I think I think Jill goes to Kirby's house because Kirby goes home because there was this is why right. the Sabathon gets shut down. Right, 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 so right. yeah, she's so there that's, when that's they... they usually go through the the who do you think killed who of it all. And uh, but I guess so. Olivia dies, and that's I mean that's obviously Charlie. Like he records it, he claims it. What about the opening? Do we th who do we think's the opening? Uh, do we think it's just Charlie? Do we think both Charlie and Jill are there? Or do we think it's just Jill? What do you think? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. Did we only see one of? I feel like they have to both be there because it's just hard to be on the phone and fighting. And do yeah, yeah. Like I could see Jill being on the scene on the phone, and then maybe that's Charlie's the one who like throws the chair through the window. And that's what yeah. I think. Uh, I could see because I could see Jill being the ghost face who fucks Marnie up or uh, uh Jenny with the garage mm -hmm. door. I could see that mm -hmm. being Jill. Exactly. But also. You know, Charlie's the mega fan. I could see him being in that garage like, holy shit, I have a chance to awesome. do, do the first movie thing. So and let's I do think that Tatum. one could really be either. Uh, yeah, let's do the Tatum, basically. Uh, uh, great footage of my Tatum, Tatum again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, okay. And then, so this, and then this attack uh, uh, in the Gale, this is, I think it's got to be Charlie because yeah, Jill's, Jill's not here. And yeah, I, I, you know, the movies, you know, they did their little speech at the beginning together and then uh, the movie started and we're like a little bit into the opening scene while this is happening. And so I could I could see Charlie and Robbie kind of splitting up and like, you know, Robbie's Charlie's like, all right, I'm going to go say hi to whoever or whatever. And mm -hmm. Ro or that maybe even Robbie's like or even even if Charlie was like, I got to go pee, you know, something. Right, right, right. There's uh, a lot something. of people and yeah. everyone's wearing masks. So like, really, I don't know that you would. even. Yeah, true, true. Uh, and also, that's just what a great way to honor the series is like showing scenes of these kids dressing up as as Dewey and Gale circa Scream One, but for the yes. stab one, like it's awesome. Yes. It's just so cool. And and so like that's another thing where you kind of have to suspend your disbelief with the series. Like in the event that you know when when real life stories get adapted into movies, they don't have this level of detail. But it's also clever for this narrative reason because the alternate, what like how it happens in real life, would be lame and right. kind of stupid. Uh, so it's it's awesome that the scream the stab movies are ex basically exact replicas of the scream movies. Um, but yeah, Gail gets stabbed. Dewey, uh, which yeah, it's cool that the stakes are up because of it, but also it kind of sucks because Gail's essentially taken out here. She doesn't come back yeah. till the finale, really. Yeah, that's that's like probably my like I wouldn't say like the thing that I wish had been in this movie more i don't know how I'm, how I'm trying to phrase it because i think that i mean i love the third act it's like my favorite thing that's ever existed in a movie ever but obviously like you want gail to be there and she still plays a part in the end um which is great but like yeah. it's it sucks to see her get taken out just so kind of yeah yeah she does get benched right here for a while yeah unfortunately but it's all right we move on to sydney and kate in the house you know sydney's just kind of 
doing normal shit, making tea, fixing the wind chimes. Kate just got home from shopping. Uh, Jill's allegedly upstairs in her room uh, because, you know. Oh, and this is another point that I'll probably bring up later, too, is uh, Jill, Jill's jealousy, the JJ of it all. She's, you know, on the phone with Kirby and she's like, why would Trevor be at the Stabathon? And Kirby's like, I don't know, maybe because he thought you'd be here. And she's like, yeah, right. My mom never lets me go. And so, like, you know, here's Jill. The Scream movies are about her direct family member, her cousin. And she lives in the town where it all happened. She's related to the woman it happened to. And she she gets no acknowledgement about shit. And she she doesn't even get to go to this celebration of it all. And she says that she doesn't know Sydney very well, which is fair. So, I mean, like, it's probably not really like, I mean, even if she, like, if she wasn't the killer, it's probably not that traumatic for her to go watch these movies and be like, oh my God, that's my cousin. Like, you know, you right. know what I mean? Like, it's probably right. not like hard for her. Obviously she's a killer or something, you know, but uh, so she, you know, she grows this envy. I'm not saying I get it. I, like, I'm not saying I sympathize with Jill. I'm just saying like, I understand how, living in the shadow in this in the uh in the shadows her, her entire life could could push to such an extreme yeah no totally uh but yeah so she's uh kate and sydney here get attacked uh and she picks up the phone it's the landline uh and um she goes upstairs to protect jill because on the phone Ghostface says something about like the family ties that cut deep mm -hmm. so jill's not up there she her laptop conveniently opened just a little bit it's the only object in sight on her bed so she opens the laptop sees that jill sent a message to kirby that said she's coming over um so you know just a little kawinky dink that it was there right. Right. <laughs> for conveniently mine, just leaving right. breadcrumbs the breadcrumb trail uh so you know sydney goes back downstairs she's like jill's not upstairs kate's like oh my god she's not picking up her phone so they're like all right we gotta go because sydney knows they murder targets right now so right. they try to go out the front door but bam Ghostface appears and uh he they slam the door shut and uh get try to get out of the way but in very 2011 fashion as they're put holding the door closed kate gets stabbed in the back through the mail slot pretty creative honestly i love it and uh rip kate she's out mm, bye kate we barely bye, knew barely knew you barely knew you uh no great that's probably too. that's hard for sydney i'm sure i mean that's like her aunt oh yeah 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 she probably Definitely. grew up you know with her grow like before the the troubles right and uh <laughs> Especially if they live in Woodsboro, they probably like had dinner at their house every other weekend or some shit. Yeah. You know? I feel uh, like Jill, or I feel like Sydney got out of there just before Jill got old enough to know her. But I bet, yeah, like before everything happened, yeah, I bet that she probably grew up around Kate all the time. Yeah, like when she was a little kid for sure. Um, so because Sydney's mom didn't die until she was seven, 16 years old, so sixteen yeah. or seventeen ish. So yeah, all those years beforehand, and Jill's. Probably ten years young. Yeah. So baby, baby Jill. She doesn't know. She doesn't know Sydney. No. But I'm sure she knows Kate. So that's probably hard for Sydney. Uh so she gets out of there and uh flees the scene. Well, is about to flee the scene, but runs into none other than Sheriff Hicks or Deputy Hicks. Sorry, we're not there yet. Right. Uh and she's just being her normal rambunctious self and sydney's like no no no, i gotta get the fuck out of here this is not <laughs> it so she's like i gotta go save jill and she because you know she knows jill's at kirby's house so she 
figures out where that is, however she does, and basically uh, gets on the road. Because now we are in the finale, the after party. Uh, it all the after you know so the stabathon got canceled shut down because there was a ghost <laughs> murder attempt <laughs> there right. it's now a crime scene so they reconvene back at Kirby's house it's the little after party and you know Charlie's totally feel Charlie in this moment he's like I'm putting in stab seven no one cancels my film festival <laughs> which like makes sense you know he's like if I okay we obviously the intent was to go through them all well he's also the killer so he probably planned for this but also like you know, the intent was to go through all seven movies. He obviously can't do that now. So he's like, all right, I'll put in, I'll just, we'll skip to the end first and last. So, you, I, I mean, you got to finish the marathon. You got to finish somehow. So he puts in Sab seven, which was Olivia's favorite. And mine. <laughs> and, and yours. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and more, more Jill Oscar baiting yes. <laughs> here because, so you know, funny. like she sees Kirby and, and, uh, uh, Charlie like flirting doing their I have powers like their whole thing and she's just sitting there like doing her little like like friendly giggle and I she is like I could just imagine what her brain is thinking she's probably just like oh my god this is so pathetic <laughs> no she is she's fucking just reading them for filth in her mind like I have yes. no Totally like oh is. they're so fucking annoying can they die already yeah like she's she's literally just sitting there like oh i just cannot wait to start stabbing these motherfuckers literally. queen literal icon uh but yeah also we just get more kirby being epic like kirby is an icon for a reason and a lot of it really shows in this finale with her mm-hmm. the way she acts she's just so like flirtatious she's powerful she's sexy she's oh, like boy. she's just um like great to watch and the then uh what yeah yeah very charismatic very charismatic and uh this this is a really nice scene because i it, it gives us reason for our characters to split up without doing the scooby-doo let's split up gang like kind of right. thing you know right. like so you know kirby and charlie are kind of having their moment on the couch watching the movie so and then trevor shows up out of nowhere unannounced and that's where uh, he's like, Jill texted me to come here. And Jill's like, I don't even know where my fucking phone is. So uh, they, you know, break off to, yeah, they break off to look for the phone. And uh, uh, there's a deleted scene that shows like a lot more of that scene, like what happened when they went outside and talked, but it's right. whatever. It's, we, I guess we didn't really need it. It was, yeah. I think it was a pacing issue, but it's all right. And uh, th- so, you know, they're splitting up, doing their thing. She's going upstairs. He's going upstairs, but then he's not upstairs. <laughs> and Robbie goes off because he's just drunk and alone. And he starts webcasting. He's like, my Charlie Walker. Lucky <laughs> with a girl. <laughs> oh, Robbie. Oh, Robbie. Robbie's, Robbie's kind of a shithead. He's, he's, he's the shittiest of the new characters, I'd say, because he's like, Like, Olivia fully dies, and he's all like, Olivia Morris will officially never go out with me. Like, bitch, (laughs) she is dead. (laughs) Like, Have some fucking respect. Have some respect. (laughs) That's low class, man. And, 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 yeah, he's he's a little, like, misogynistic towards her at the beginning, too. It it doesn't matter. He's not, he's ridiculous. It's whatever. He's ridiculous. He's he's problematic. Uh, But, yeah, he goes on his little webcasting moment, and drunkenly like puts the falls and hits a plant and puts the little webcam hat on backwards uh which gives a cool reveal when ghostface uh 
he opens the front door of the house and he's like looking through his phone to make sure the thing is broadcasting and it's ghost face right. and then he's like holy shit and it's a very it's holy shit is ghost face before that was a moment it's so good it's so like just another like creative way to scare you honestly yeah yeah and this is definitely charlie because he claims it later yes uh, and which also makes sense because he stormed off after Trevor interrupted him, his and Kirby's intimate mm-hmm. little moment, mm-hmm. uh, because Trevor's just go generally a shithead. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like, I'm sure, I mean, they clearly like planned for this all to happen, but like, it's, he's probably like pissed, but like, he's ready to kill some bitches now. He's oh, like, yeah. look, I know it wasn't going to last, but damn, Robbie gets, gets murdered. He pulls the gay card. Do you think it's real? I, I think this is a point of contention on Scream Twitter. Yes. So I I do think that he is. And it's, there's two things. One, I just get a vibe. Like, That's you fair. know, I, I really do. The Dar. The Dar is Yeah, banging. yeah. I really do. And maybe it's because I just always assumed he was before, because of the line before I, uh, you know, knew that it was a point of contention. But also, like, me and my boyfriend have, like, kind of studied him in, like, the earlier scenes. And he is, like, making eyes at Charlie. Like, there's mm-hmm. times where, like, there's a scene where they're at the beginning where they're, like, in the hallway. And, like, the way he's looking at Charlie, like, it's giving I want to fuck you. Like, it really yeah, is. Yeah, and, well, and even even we I just said it in the scene before when he's, like, talking to his webcam. He's like, yes, my Charlie Walker. Exactly. Like, that, that's kind of, like, straight men don't really talk like that. Most no. straight men. And, like, I understand, you know, why. Because, like, if they were going to do that, then they should have committed. Like, I I understand. I don't think that they were really thinking about it that seriously, which they should have. Because, like, it shouldn't be a punchline. But it doesn't really bother me. Like, I would say that if I was, you know, I I mean, obviously I'm gay, but I would say that to the killer. So, well, yeah, especially because, you know, it's a payoff to the joke earlier of, of basically basically the only way to survive a modern horror movie you pretty much have to be gay which also i don't know where that conclusion came from because bury your gays girl like the gays do not live what are they never like yeah it's it's weird i'm kind of like i wonder how like is it kevin williamson trying trying to like get it in there studio yeah, um, get it in there somehow. Is it studio interference? Even even Kirby's like a little a little queer coded in a way. But um, exactly. that's what I uh, that's how I kind of see it. Like maybe the studio wasn't gonna go for anything like that, so they were just kind of like trying to like right, right, like get it in there somehow. Key. Yeah, low key, low key. Uh, but yeah, let's let's jump jump here because what happens next is uh, a lot of chaos ensues. Robbie's dead. Sydney shows up on the scene. They're running all around. Sydney's like jill get under the bed and i love this scene because right so jill gets under the bed to hide from the killer she's like trust me and then sydney has a really intelligent plan where she's outside in the balcony being like run jill go get help basically and then the killer's there so he so the killer's like thinking oh jill got away and then when she reconvenes with kirby down in the basement or whatever right after this kirby's like uh i tried to call the police but someone smashed the router sydney's like i got through on the cell because she called dewey and then Kirby says, I heard you yelling to Jill. Did she get away? And Sydney says, I think she's safe for now. Because for all she knows, Kirby could be the killer. She doesn't know. Really Kirby doesn't trust any of these. Sydney doesn't fucking trust any of these bitch-ass children. And yeah. so she doesn't respond with, yeah, she's safe. Or, yeah, she got I, away I or whatever. Yeah. yeah. She just she just says, I think she's safe. 
very vague, but a reassuring answer just in case. Love, love, love that. But yeah, so then we get a really iconic and memorable moment from this movie where they basically redo the Casey Becker, Stephen Orth scene, uh, same chair and everything. And Charlie's tied up in the chair. Kirby's on the phone with Ghostface. Sydney goes like upstairs to get a knife or, or something to protect herself. And Kirby's doing very memorable phone call. Very iconic. I hear you like horror movies, Kirby, but do you like him as much as him? Like love, Ooh. love it. And so she just love the monologue of her running through like every horror remake that exists at this point in time. It's just, it's very memorable, very iconic. Uh, you know, there it's, it's a retread. The Marco Beltrami score is like, it's very adrenaline pumping. Like even though I've seen this movie thousands and millions of times, I'm always on the edge of my seat. Just like, Oh my God. And it's just, it never stops. Once, once it no. picks up, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like until the hospital kind of slows it down, but still until, right. until then it's, it is like, boom, 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 boom. And then, Kirby thinks she got one over on Ghostface, so she runs out there because he doesn't respond on the phone. So she runs out there to uh, go help Charlie uh, untie him a little bit. Surprise, Kirby. This is making a move. Stabs Kirby in the stomach once. It says four years of classes together and you notice me now. Stupid bitch. It's too late. Stabs her again. Kirby has been stabbed twice. RIP mm. to a legend. Except <laughs> y'all fucking thought. Y'all th- surprise, bitch. You thought you'd seen the last of me. So Kirby's survival cannot be understated because for anyone who hasn't been in the discourse of Scream for that long, or maybe as a new fan or whatever. So you have to understand 11 years go by for the sequel. And and we get we get it. It's like, holy shit, we have another another screen movie that's awesome but then this movie didn't do so well at the box office it didn't it didn't spawn that trilogy that that wes and kevin were intending and the studio was intending like so unfortunately a long time went by with no announcement of a scream five and we as scream fans were like are we gonna get another one and for a while it was very up in the air and then and then tragically in 2015 Wes Craven dies Hmm. and it is basically the kiss. Like at that point, I, as well as pretty much every screen fan was like, Nope, never again. It's done. No one, no one will dare take up this franchise without Wes Craven. It's, it's done. We're not, we're never getting a screen five. And then, you know, obviously, you know, we would go on to get it and everything. So Kirby, the fact that we have waited, I mean, people, when this was the only when this was the ending of scream scream four was the last scream in in the public's mind people were on the internet like you see you never see her die she's still she's still bleeding out when she uh when she's you know like theories that she could have lived and then and i even definitely think it's tailored in the movie because after after it happens uh, you know, you do only see her like crawling around on the floor bleeding. And then after it happens, Sydney is like peering down the basement door and there's a, you can hear a door open and shut. And it's like, Oh, was that Kirby crawling in the house to safety? Mm. So it, it's set up in a way where it's not explicit, but it totally makes sense that she could be alive. And then, you know, in scream five, 11 years after this movie, they give us that little hint Easter egg that she's alive. And then, as we all know, she will be in Scream Six. Cannot, cannot Amazing. fucking wait to see how she how she plays in that movie, and cannot wait to get on this mic and talk about it right after. So Kirby's survival here cannot be understated. How awesome it is, and how just 
refresh uh relieving it is because it's like damn that is like a 15 uh, uh that is like an 11 year debate finally settled and not right. only settled we're getting more delivery on it so yes like Charlie... and i just need her to say jill's name like i remember sitting yes. in the theater for scream five and there's sam has a line where she's like the last time it happened was 11 years ago and out loud yep. i'm like yep. say her name say her like, name oh my god i I, I listen i have theories about emma roberts and scream six but i can't get into oh right god. now because i'm going on a I'm, tangent but I'm, so for it my blood is pumping and it's because we get my favorite one of my uh, top 10 moments in cinema history this is number one for me baby right here we are charlie grabs sydney from behind and like there's like a little a little scuff and mm-hmm. she bumps him in the head she's like where she's like where's jill he's like you think she's gonna get away you think she ever anyone gets away she, she breaks out of charlie's grasp goes to run to the open front door to safety and but before she can round the corner Bam! Ghost face. A second ghost face. Pops yes. around the corner. Stabs her in the stomach. And that score is fucking popping the at score, this point. The like, score is pumping. Oh my and, god. Oh my god. And I, I wish I could put to words that just the, the pure endorphin rush as I as we watch Ghostface's arm like reach for the mask. Because this, this kind of reveal is my favorite kind of reveal. I love when the killer just like takes the mask off themselves so for for emma roberts Roberts, to take off this mask and the movie knows you're gagged because sydney flinches and is like jill and even and she just has this uh, sinister smile you never see it coming and never never in a million, it is the gag of the century. Jaw on the ground. I love watching people's reactions to this because it's just the the biggest gag. You never fucking see it coming. But then you watch the movie back, and it's so plausible. I so mean, awesome. like you can you can see all the points where where she was at. You can pin. It's great. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then we just get. 15 minutes of unhinged, beautiful, bless this for existing imagery where we just truly see emma roberts unhinged potential and what's amazing is she would you know later go on to be in coven and and scream queens and all this stuff and she's everybody's like oh emma roberts she gets typecast as like the bitch it's because of this movie this is the movie that made people see holy shit she can do evil bitch real good and this movie is why she's the evil bitch and everything Because they just let her like run rampant and she they let her go wild. She is Billy's wrath and vengeance with Stu's goof. It is she's the best of both worlds. It is campy. I I know, you know, a lot of people don't like Emma Roberts, so they don't like this performance. I get it. If you don't like her, you're not gonna like it. I like her. This is I love it. This is the (sighs) best. Shut the fuck up already. (laughs) So many, it's like line after line is just it is hitter after hitter banger banger fucking oh my god and she just sells it you just see and, and even she's selling the evil also i have to bring up and i think i've said this before in the scream uh, screamathon here on the pod but a lot of people forget that most of these ghost face killers in these movies are literal children yes. she is not like a criminal mastermind that the fbi is looking for because she's the most intelligent hacker planner murderer in the world this is a literal minor (laughs) yes she is a high school senior 
So like Iconic. what when people are like, how did she not plan for that? Like, how does she think she's gonna get away? She is a literal child. <laughs> we will revisit this talking point in Scream Five, believe me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, she just goes unhinged. She basically reveals that the motive is because she's jealous of Sydney. Sydney, uh, Sydney has all this fame and, you know, it's her fucking time. And she's she's the most evil of the ghosts. She's fucked up because she is willing to just fully fabricate this facade of murders and make herself this final girl, but not at all like for you know, earned. It's It gives me like Roger the alien from American Dad vibes. Like it's something that um, it's something that motherfucker would do. Yeah, I mean. I don't remember what I was going to say, but uh, I just, yeah, she, she's perfect. Like, it's really just an iconic she, performance it, with the it, commitment it is, is insane. It is. The commitment is insane. She is a psycho. Like, she takes what Billy and Stu wanted to do with the stabbing each other and like, you hit me with the phone, dick. Like, she takes that to the next level because she yeah. stabs herself. She throws herself through a glass table. It is she, This fucking psycho, crazy motherfucking bitch. It's so insane that after damaging herself in all these ways to make it look like, you know, she was a victim and struggled and that Trevor and uh, uh, Charlie were the actual killers. She goes and like stumbles and lays down in the exact same mirror position that fucking Sydney is is in right now because she got stabbed, which also speaking of Sydney, she looking pretty dead. If you're watching this for the first time, you're you're probably like, uh, did they just fucking kill Sydney? and i love how like my favorite moment is how so she's like she's laying there she mirrors herself to sydney she opens her eyes she sees that her hand is a little bit off and she like yes adjusts her hand yes just slightly so yeah, that it's she, exactly mirroring sydney she is ready for that like that photo to be like mm-hmm. beautiful in the news mm-hmm. that they're gonna show or whatever like absolutely fucking she is reveling and then it's so we get the the false false just like this movie opened fake open twice this movie fake ends twice the movie the ending of the movie wasn't the stabathon but it also wasn't the uh uh after party it's the hospital so we go to the hospital jill's and we also see as jill's uh uh getting um to the hospital that they're like taking her picture a lot and like she's getting that fame that she she wanted for it's working the plan is working and so she's she gets to the hospital and this is where her performance gets flimsy because but like on purpose because you know she's been through so much and we know that she's faking so now it's like oh yeah this bitch is so faking it like it's it's she probably doesn't even really change her acting performance that much but it is very like girl (laughs) <laughs> yeah no the way that she said my favorite part of this entire movie besides her taking off the mask is when dewey is like it's still touch and go but like sydney's looking okay and she's like what like it's like visibly so raging. much going on in that small line delivery of just like are you fucking goddamn kidding me there is a hilarious oh, video on the internet of Nicole Scherzinger, the lead singer of the Pussycat yes, Dolls, making this exact same face on stage at a performance where Melody Thornton, one of the backup singers, like went rogue with ad libs. I'll, I'll send you the video after, but it's yes, so it funny. Funny. and it's so funny. And it's very this. She is visibly raging. <laughs> and it is so funny. <laughs> and Dewey's... <laughs> and she, she, like, she cannot handle it. She is pissed off. She, like... 
fucking gets uh, rips the IVs and shit out of her arm, goes yes. to Sydney's hospital room, and she is like, "Who are you, Michael fucking Myers? Because why won't you die?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and it's so, like, all the comedy is gone now. I mean, she's, the lines that she's saying is funny, but all of the, like, the actual comedy of her performance is gone. Like, she's just fucking pissed at this point. Like, the showmanship is right. gone. Yeah, oh, no, it's done. She's because she's, pissed. I mean, the ending of the movie was supposed to be at the party. This is just <laughs> silly. Silly. Yeah. So no. good. Yeah, so good. She, she, and like I said, she's a literal child. Like she planned out this whole thing, risked risked it all to do this murder plot conspiracy. Yeah. And she got so close. She got so close. And here, this fucking Sydney, the envy of her eye, still ruining it somehow by just surviving. And oh. yeah, she's totally fucked at this point. She was never gonna make it out. Dewey figures it out. Gail figures it out. Sydney lived and knows the tale. Now, uh, Hicks, Judy is in here fucking it up with the gun. She's got a gun now. There's a gun on the scene. Uh, she gets shot, but it, luckily she's wearing a bulletproof vest. Gail's in the room because she's healed up a little bit. And uh, we just get we get some great lines here. A good Sydney, uh, Jill fight scene. It takes place she really gets in her eye and fucks up her eye it's dope it's a nice effect for the rest of her screen time yeah, and yeah. uh i i one one of the things i i love about this is uh when she gail is like hiding behind the stretcher and she's got like her hands up and uh jill is like come on get your skinny ass out here <laughs> as if jill isn't like so fucking tidy herself i know it is i so... laugh every time I so think funny my favorite line from this scene is, I think it's Gail. She's like, don't do anything. Like, she's going to say, don't do anything stupid. And Gail yeah. like, don't fucking tell me what to do. Yep, yep. She fucking, that's why she shoots Judy. She's a yes, you. Yes. Don't tell me what to fucking do. It's great. So funny. She's such a little, like, brat. And it's it's great. Because this is, this movie is where the killers start to be, like, a little pathetic. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, their, their motive, you know? Right, right. Uh, so... Even three, he's Roman's. Roman is kind of pathetic in his own right, but still, um, and that, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I'll get more into it in the Scream Five episode. You'll you'll see. But uh, I I love that line especially though. The like, come on, get your skinny ass out. Because me and my <laughs> ex from like years ago, we would always say that to each other. Like we would just be like okay. in each other's rooms uh, or in each other's apartments or whatever, and like. He'd be, I'd be like at the kitchen making something and he would just be like, come on, get your skinny ass out of here. <laughs> like we used to say to each other all the time. So I just, I love, it's so funny. It sticks. It sticks. It's so good. Um, and then just some more great, great one-liners with, uh, you know, can I have one final word? What? Please? No. Clear. 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 Fucking shocks her with the paddles. Ooh, and over. then Sydney gets probably the best line in the movie. Forgot the first rule of remakes, Jill. Don't fuck with the original. Ooh. And as much uh, as I love Jill, I love that. Like, I'm like, yeah. You, you I, fuck think, with her, Jill. I think this was Jill, Jill needed to die. Be- and I yeah. think that's why she died such a legend. Because if she would have went on to live or anything like that, I think it probably would have undermined it. And, you know, the original yeah. plan was to, like, follow her at college with a secret. I don't think that would have been a good movie. I don't think yeah. that would have really been a, a, a proper scream esque story i think that would have been a little too outlandish at least for its time and when we'll see what happens with jill and scream six i, I don't think mm-hmm. she's alive by any means but uh she could she could appear in a flashback or nightmare i'll talk about it i would love later. to see her 
but one thing I will say is while they're and, and also, you know, Sydney's on the ground now and she just shot Jill. Jill falls in the exact same position that Sydney's in. So very much mirroring what just happened at the house. And Jill's uh Sydney's like, I don't know about but you, but I feel for a real. lot better. Yeah, like a very I think I think this is a very good ending. And like, you know, maybe some people complain that the trio kind of doesn't really have an arc. Uh, and they kind of they kind of do, but it's it's a little bit more personal to them as opposed to being relative to the overall narrative. So right. uh, I think that, you know, like the but this is what's so amazing and clever about this movie. OK, wait, before I get into post movie thoughts, I have to bring up the microscopic twitch. Listen to me, folks. Listen, are you ready? <laughs> when Jill, the final closing shot of this movie is Jill lying on the hospital room floor dead as the reporters outside the hospital in a very campy way, like yes. one by one standing next to each other, reporting on the same thing, sentence by sentence. It's hilarious. Our yes. reporting give, basically giving Jill that fame being like the sole survivor, you know, they, cause they don't know the truth just yet because it like just came out two seconds ago. And so it's, it's a very, it's very ironic. It's a, it's a good way to end this movie. And it's also pretty good that the franchise didn't end here because even, even if it would have like, it would have been all right. I think it wouldn't have been the, like, it, it wouldn't have been the greatest cap off, but it wouldn't have been the worst. So mm-hmm. I, I like this dramatic irony uh, here, but the Twitch while Jill is lying on this hospital floor in post-production, the editors or editor, uh, Peter McNulty, not Patrick Lucier from the first three films, noticed um that jill while she in that final shot has this like microscopic breathing twitch it's very tiny you can barely see it but they took it out and they showed wes craven he was like um they were like oh we noticed this little twitch wes and wes said no put it back in you never Mm -hmm. know swear to god listen to the director listen to the director's commentary on the movie wow it's there it is there. You can see it's very tiny. You have to be looking for it, but you can see like her her uh uh what is, clavicle like kind of go up and down because she takes like a almost itty bitty breath. Like maybe maybe it's even you could argue it's the last bit of life leaving her body. But mm-hmm. it also you never know. Could have been As a breath. Wes, uh, like I said, I don't think she's alive. I think she's dead. But still, the microscopic twitch. I love it. And I, I do love this ending. I I know that people say like it should end on the trio, but for what the movie is trying to say about the links that people will go to to find fame, I think it's the perfect ending to land on her face, calling her like she's getting exactly what she wants. Um, you know, all attention is on her and it's yep. going to be not for the right reasons. And, you yep. know, minutes, but she still she got what she wanted. She got the yep. attention. It's she's like gonna go down cost. in history. So yep. I don't mind the ending at all. I don't mind the ending at all either. Yeah, and and yeah, so and what's so clever about this ending in this movie in general is and what Scream does best is it knows how to comment on the genre. It said all those remakes where they recast and kill off all the cast, you know, we're not doing that. You okay. thought we were doing that. Nope. We killed off every single new character except Kirby. Ah. And we are not playing by <laughs> Those rules. We are breaking those rules. The characters you know and love are the ones that ultimately triumph. Dewey, Gale, and Sydney all live to see another day and slay another ghost face in the future. Yes. Iconic. Love Iconic. it. Iconic. Iconic. I just, Iconic. Scream 4 is so special and it, it's just, it's such a great, like, it's fun. It's campy. It's fast paced. It's, it's, it's off the rails. It's just so, 
it's it feels like a very welcome addition to the franchise especially now and i'm kind of glad it didn't spawn a trilogy because now because at the time that's really all there was to comment on was these reboots and now scream 5 you know we'll talk about it next week is more about requels which is what is going on in horror now actively what we're living through right now present day so it it makes sense that now we're it it acts as this bridge in between you know like it's 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 a dividing line you have your original trilogy and you have your what is most likely going to be the new trilogy. And then right in the middle, gluing them together, like a, like a dumbbell, the scream dumbbell is scream for the handlebar yes. in the middle. Mm, I love that's it. what I, I think it's say. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bridge. Just, like it, it, it feels like it now these movies, especially with Kirby coming back, it's giving scream for relevance so that it doesn't just feel like, Oh, it's just this weird one-off like thing that no one, you know, thinks, is conducive to being part of the franchise or whatever, or doesn't work all the way or like whatever people think. But now like, and I was thinking about it and, uh, you know, with what happened in, with Gail and Dewey, for instance, if we didn't have scream four, and then we picked up, we just got a new movie, say same movie or whatever as last year, it would be jarring if Gail and Dewey just, you know, last time we saw them, they were engaged and now they're divorced. Like I feel yeah. like scream four, like, is it, it really is doing a lot for us to kind of like streamline what's happening yeah you need that. that middle ground because if scream exactly. 4 didn't exist and uh scream scream 5 was scream 4 <laughs> the beginning of sav 6 was sav 7 oh, that's sav what i was thinking about. yeah yeah but uh if that would have happened it would it like you said it would have been jarring it would have been like you kind of wanted to see that middle ground it's almost been too much time and right. you kind of need to see some middle ground and i uh, scream for so this kind of this is a great segue into uh my new segment i've been doing on the show for the uh a, a new staple my you know my episode uh my show is called debate of the dead so i've introduced a new segment called the deadly debate it's basically uh, I, I thought about this movie. I thought about who you and I are and what something that is just generally controversial about this movie and also something we may disagree on with the screen movies. It's kind of hard because, you know, we're both super fans. There's not much we're probably going to disagree on. But right. uh, for for this episode's deadly debate, is this movie necessary? Ooh, okay. I mean, I yes. I feel like yeah, it is. I think it is. Because... I don't know why it took me so long. To, I was like, that was actually like, dramatic. You had me on rails. I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, is he going to argue no? So I was sitting here like, do I need to come up with points of why it's relevant? No, or I definitely think it is. Relevant? Uh, is it necessary? necessary. Like, just, yeah. Because a lot of people are a lot of people online. I'll see in discourse will be like, Scream Four is like unnecessary. We don't need it. Like it, you don't need that movie. But I I think you do. It it really you you need that character development and uh that a lot of like let's compare it to halloween because halloween's the blueprint for scream uh, Corey cunningham a character introduced in halloween ends the third chapter of a trilogy a lot of complaints about him yeah, yeah exactly uh is that he has no character development because he wasn't introduced earlier so mm-hmm. here is a similar situation where we need to see that in between because even even 2018 people are like really it's been 40 years and laurie is still fucked up about this one night in her life that when she was 17 years old that a dude killed three of her friends and stalked her with a knife and nothing has happened since so you kind of need some in between to see if like maybe michael came back and that's why there was further uh trauma or whatever so you know like you need that in between and and even in five which follows you know brings them all back again you you need that fourth one to really solidify it right and i also feel like you know we're seeing gail in such a rut and i the way that I see it is maybe 
helping solve this, which she is the reason that I mean, you know, who who's to say what would have happened? But like if Gail hadn't figured it out and told Dewey that, hey, it's Jill, how would she know about our wounds? Like, would Dewey have gotten there on time? Would Jill have killed Sydney? Like, you know, we really don't know. Yeah. And I feel like that's what pushes Gail back into having that spark where now in Scream 5, we see her in New York and she's, you know, a big deal again. And I, I don't know how she would have gotten there, which like, I guess if we didn't have four and she went from three to five, then, I, you know, I guess you don't have to have that. But then you just lose so much of her characterization. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And her Dewey's and, and... relationship and Dewey's characterization. No, I think it's definitely necessary. I agree. And because it just it, it would have been such a jarring jump from three to five if if this yeah. one wasn't there i think and so too you need that development and 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 just in the meta uh like the con conceptual space of the movie you kind of need that natural like it like scream needed to comment on the remakes that was right yes. like and, and it's and even in retrospect it's kind of nice that they just kind of you know like this is not your traditional franchise they just kind of came in said what they said and left you know mic drop they said boom wow. and now so 10 years later, later 10 11 years later we're back on the scene again right and, and now I've, i'm sure that they have like more relevant things to say like who knows at the time i know that they had something planned but um you know, I don't like you said, I don't know how good it would have been, but uh, it feels more right here to have. Yeah, I think it's a blessing in disguise for sure that that happened. Yeah. And like, and especially now... because it was it, it it was so ahead of its time that it's it's nowadays getting even more love because people are like, you know what? They kind of had a point. <laughs> well, that's how it is with me. Like, uh, you know, like I said, I I hadn't seen any of these movies. And by the time I saw them in 2017, like you know, Instagram and Twitter, like in Snapchat and whatever else, like were everything. So I think that's why I was so mind blown because on top of the performance, like what she's saying resonated with me more than the other motives did. And yeah. so I, I think that they needed to, yeah, like you said, like they needed to comment on remakes and they needed to comment on the way that social media was starting to kind of take over, I guess. I, don't, I mean, I guess I didn't need it, but we needed it. Like we, we needed, needed it. So. We needed it, and yeah, and I, I absolutely think it was necessary. So, yeah. I, I figured I couldn't really think of anything about this movie that we would really disagree on, other than like something super nitpicky and tiny. So I and I wanted to be kind of broad there, but I, I do think this movie is necessary, and I'm glad we could both give our perspectives on why. So Love Wes, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so happy we could do this because Scream 4 is is a favorite. We love Scream 4. We had to get on and talk about Scream Forum. Uh yes. and I'm I'm glad you were able to come on and talk about this one because it's it's great. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's no, so I I feel like I don't know that many people that like match my energy and passion for this movie. So I feel like this was like a good yes duo. absolutely i just especially like jill's reveal i just if i'm ever showing it to somebody like in person as opposed to like online i am like i i kind of give it away because i will like hold their legs and like grip them so hard in the build-up yeah. to it yeah, no <laughs> i like, i can't <laughs> i cannot tell you how many times i like how many hours i've spent watching people react to scream 4 on Same. youtube i only Same. go to the end like i just fast forward to the end yes. most of the time Yes. And just to see the, like the finale reveal. That's that's what it's about. I I swear I do the exact same thing all the time. Like especially so when good. I'm bored. 
Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for coming on the show. In the event, my lovely listeners want to find more of you, where can they do so? Yes, um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at it's Wessums, I-T-S-W-E-S-S-U-M-S. I also have a YouTube channel called Petty Pumpkins. Um, we are um, covering all the Scream movies. We've been doing commentaries to all the Scream movies, so come watch them with us. We'll be doing Scream 6 review. Um, we also did a series where we put all the Scream characters from every movie into tiers. Um, so there's five you know, separate videos of that as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, come follow me on um, Instagram and Twitter at Petty Pumpkins and then subscribe to my YouTube channel, Petty Pumpkins. Yeah, really, really go check out the channel. I love I love a good reaction channel and yours is great because you don't just your reactions, but even in like the commentaries and everything. But the the Megan one that you guys just did recently took me out. You put there's you put the when she got in the car, Charlie XCX, like, let's ride. But but and then I don't. <laughs> I was off an edible and I was fucking dead. I like had to pause and do a lap around the room. It's it's good. Uh, so oh, go thank check you. Out I appreciate his, that. Yes, thank you. Go go check out the uh, the chan the channel. Yes. <laughs> uh, if you want to find more of me, first of all, follow the podcast Twitter for updates and announcements at dotd underscore podcast. Uh, also, I just made an Instagram for it, so go check out the podcast Instagram as well. Uh, also, dotd underscore podcast. And then if you want to follow me or my drag, come see what I'm cooking up in that kitchen. Follow me on Instagram at queen underscore cream on Twitter at queen cream, no underscore. And of course, check out the Patreon. Uh, we've get, I'm getting a little, little army. I love it. And you know, we got so a cute. discord, got a discord chat. We were chatting about movie, new movies and, some video game stuff and just like memeing in general. It's kind of fun. And uh, no, it's pretty fun. Actually. I really Love like that. it. I look forward to the server and uh, yeah, I've got bonus episodes. I've got a really fun one with a YouTube collaborator that I'm excited for over a really fun video game that if you know me, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, we've got uh, watch parties. You can come on the show, go check out the Patreon. It is linked in this episode. If you type in debate of the dead or queen cream, I should pop right up. So yeah, thank you so much for joining. This has been another episode in the Screamathon. Next week we're talking about Scream Five. Very excited. But in the meantime, we will be right back. And before we go, a huge, 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 huge shout out to Scott Ryan, my lovely and loyal cream of the crop tier patron. Thank you so much for helping me continue to make this podcast. 